since the dawn of DC kicked off at the beginning of the year, DC fans have been eating good. The Superman line is revitalized, and it's legitimately good. Good comics. Uh, we got two good Green Lantern books out. A lot of characters who've been on the sidelines of DC are back in the fold, and it feels good. Then Night Terrors hit. And it derailed all of DC's ongoing stories, putting them on pause for two months. What a to, nightmare. To bore us with a sleepy event that felt like the exact opposite of what DC needed. This also exposed the lack of strong direction for DC right now, which is leading me to ask, has DC lost its momentum? Welcome to the show. We've got a lot to talk about today. So many things we're going to be doing. We're going to be talking Loki Season 2, Episode 1, a little bit later. We're going to do a draft, so make sure if you're watching us live right now, hello, you are hitting that like button, smashing it to make Smash. sure we... Uh, to make sure we can do a draft a little bit later. We've got a full house today, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Let's waste no more time getting into this topic. Kale, has What's DC lost its momentum? The night, night Terror sure killed it. Um, I think especially in the case of uh, the Hal Jordan Green Lantern book. Boy, did that book take a tumble. Because it left it left with a pretty solid cliffhanger, mm. like Hal Jordan ca uh, catching a a falling plane or something, and flying right into like a uh, uh, a wall of nightmares or something. Yeah, and then it was the event, and then issue three picks up, you know, two months later, and it's like, what happened? <laughs> like, yeah, um, and not to mention. The book itself is already broken up into two or three separate timelines, you know, or two, I guess, uh, a present and a, you know, a, a, a now, a present and a, you know, months ago or whatever. And it's, you know, it's ostensibly confusing already because it had, it, there is a direction, but we don't know what it is yet. So throwing an event in the middle of that really killed the momentum on that book. And, and I don't it's know that it... Go for it. I was going to say, it's weird because there are some books, like, it wasn't even like a line-wide pause. It felt like only certain books paused. Like, Doom Patrol was still going. Um, that's that's a limited series. Yeah. All the, like, mainline books paused. Ongoings? Yeah, all okay. the ongoing. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that Green Lantern one was egregious. It literally has a cliffhanger and then doesn't address it. It, it literally it felt like I wasn't like the book was in a coma, and it just woke up. Because <laughs> um, it, it it almost felt like you sh they expect you to read the Night Terrors tie-ins there to keep that in the main book, but don't reference Night Terrors outside of a passing glance in it. Um, I just don't see the need for Night Terrors. It almost felt like DC had to put out. You know their August September event, um, because that's their thing, you know. Mm. Um, but it has been their thing before, for literal reasons, <laughs> uh, moving offices, uh, 
launching a new line after that. You know, this felt like they were just doing it to do it. Uh, and it really killed the momentum for what I thought was a really good publishing line. I was, I was going to challenge the notion that it did have any momentum because this was coming out of Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths. And I don't think we were necessarily like hot on those things. And yeah, the first set of issues, I think were, depending on the book, good, passable, but um, because we still had, we only had that small gap, I don't know that it's a fair gauge to say that the Dawn of DC really got a, its foot off the ground. Um, so I don't know. I think now that we're past this, uh, this nightmare, um, if, if we're past that, maybe we can start to actually sit down and start to enjoy the books. Maybe from then on, we'll probably have that momentum, I think. Well, we've been in the Dawn of DC for 10 months. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's a decent amount of time. Yeah, I can name probably half dozen books that are actually really good, you know, or, or at least were lighting my pants a little bit on fire, a slightly ablaze um, before Night Terrors. Um, and, and then even pre-Dark Crisis. Yeah, like World's Finest. It was one of those ones. I think it's still branded as Dawn of DC, but it started before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, the issue with, with Night Terrors too was that not so that it, it kind of paused everything and because it was two months i just started forgetting about what books i was reading yeah you know it's not even like narratively it 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 stifled things it also like just logistically stifled things for me <laughs> like shazam i'm behind on shazam because i forgot i was reading that and i forgot i was enjoying that uh because of night terrors and i picked it right back up uh it, the new issue just came out uh, and i was like oh shit yeah this was good um but i totally forgot about it because night terrors happened you know it's rough. It, it really, it, I think Night Terrors was one of the worst publishing bun, uh, bungles that I can think of um, to come out of DC in a while. It just, it just didn't make any sense. When you look at what DC has been publishing and you think about, you know, look, uh, the Superman books, pretty much all praise. Um, they've been good. Uh, you know, Poison Ivy is another one that's that's really been working for a lot of people and has been successful. Um, I don't care for these books necessarily, but um, Harley Quinn and Catwoman, you know, they're just sort of starting to try to get off the ground and, you know, Teeny's getting into what she's getting into on those books. Um, it feels like so many of these books were kind of gearing up and ramping up and then it was just like, pause. And what it did for me was, in addition to what Tyler said, it gave me time to think about this whole DC bigger picture. And I was like, wait a second, this ain't good. Not the individual books, but like the overall situation. You got you got Amanda Waller. Listen, we went from we went from Perpetua and the Batman who laughs. And I'm only talking power here. Okay. We went from those two to Deathstroke, I know there was some other stuff going on, but Deathstroke to Amanda Waller as the big bads. Hey, now she's got two peacemakers with her. Listen, whatever what she does right. in the bedroom is her business. I'm talking about. 
I'm talking about being a threat to DC. Then we lost the Justice League, and they're just they're just apart for no reason. Like there's no reason why they're not working together. They're just not, which probably didn't help with Night Terrors. And now we have the Titans who are putting out forest fires. What are we doing? It almost seemed like a a narrative. Uh purposeful depowering of just the universe in general. It's like, all right, we need to kind of scale back a bit. Titans are, are not, are, the, the global crisis Titans are doing are, you know, wildfires and, you know, socioeconomic issues. And, uh, you know, Amanda Waller's the big bad. Uh, maybe that was just a response to like, oh, right before that was Lazarus Planet. And right before that was uh, um, Deathstroke that has the anti-monitors powers in him or something like that. Um, so I don't know, maybe it was purposeful, but well, and even still after dark crisis, like we didn't even get time to live in this new status quo, right? Not at all. Like the, the Titan, the Titan situation, they're supposed to be the new justice league. But like Sean said, we've got them fighting forest fires and, and, you know, their, their status quo hasn't even been lived in. And if, and I feel like from dark crisis to Titans was a significant chunk of time. We're like it. It almost felt like it should have been the last of your dark crisis. Next week, Titan number one. It was too long. Yeah, it yeah. Was it was way like long. three or four months, if I remember. Yeah, yeah. And then night terrors. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Literally, so, we got two two issues of Titans, right? And then night yeah. terrors, and we just read Titans three. So yeah. It, yeah, and it was a lot of two issue two, like 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 stopping an issue two, which is yeah hard for a writer. Like, especially the way people write nowadays, it's like three issues, maybe they could have told a full story in three issues, where then the the the, the clear cut wouldn't have hurt as much. But they like couldn't even cut. really start their stories at two issues. So it was just treading water. And yeah, there was still some good stuff there. But but uh, I, maybe Mark was right in the sense where like momentum wasn't even able to be be had yet because they couldn't even get the you know their feet on the ground. Yeah, they would have had it would have been like filler to try to oh, be able to pass whatever you can in the intermittent time you know i can't believe i just said maybe marco was right oh god uh. i revel in it <laughs> yeah i think some books definitely suffered i think um for me green lantern was the well titans was the biggest one but green lantern was the other big one because i was feeling it i was like okay cool you know i'm glad that uh jeremy adams is getting another opportunity what happened to him on the flash kind of sucked um you know getting bumped i mean for Psy. um so you know good for him um and then it's just gone and i haven't picked back up and that's the thing that happens it's like it's tough on the creative team to find a way to you know do two issues and then stop but as an as audiences right as as readers you know two issues it's like you you're barely in my brain yet Yep. You haven't really imprinted yourself upon me. Nothing has happened. That's how it goes, especially in superhero comics. So to get that far in, which is not far at all, and then stop it, there are a lot of books I'm like, hey, I don't need to keep buying this. I was buying Harley Quinn. I stopped that. I realized how dumb I was. I'm not buying that anymore. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? List. And by the way, I'm not saying anyone else is dumb for buying Harley Quinn, Atomic Count. I know you love it. It's just not for me. And I don't want to waste my money. The other thing too is you bring up money. If there's if you if you stop a line and you give people jumping off points in the economy we have currently, 
you're not gonna, you're not gonna get those people back yeah if, if like, yeah. like you had to you said you were able to step back and reevaluate the line right sean reevaluate your wallet too like am i do i need to buy all these books now um so even uh, even just in orders uh being able to keep that momentum going it's it, they stifled it um and perez in the chat in the chat says uh uh, KT made me go back and read some Marvel. Yep. Like, what? What do you want, DC? That's what you get. Like, you push what are we gonna do? Read Night Terrors. Night Terrors, Angel Breaker, number two. Right. Like, yeah. what was the alternative? And then you know what else grinded my fucking gears was the fact that it wasn't even the same creative teams on the uh, tie-ins that were on the the books that the tie-ins were standing in for, right? So, like, oh, as an yeah. example, Night Terrors Batman was written by Joshua Williamson. That was my favorite Night Terrors anything. I'm not complaining about the fact that I got that. Night Joshua Williamson can do what he wants. I'm saying that if I'm enjoying the voice of, in this example, Chip Zdarsky on Batman, when the tie-in happens, if I'm not going to get that main series, I feel like he should be writing the tie-in. Hmm. So I didn't even get the voice that I wanted. Unless oh. the reasoning was to give the main teams time off to be able to bank more work. That's the only reason I can give this thing. But, but even even still, like, we just came out of a crisis. Right. A, a line-wide crisis, which, you know, should be that. Like, they, that should be baked into DC's plan. Yeah, if they needed the time, that's bad planning on the publishing end. To to then have to interject with the that uh that event and then slow everything else down for the sake of people leaving the books. To your point, to be fair, DC and bad planning are kind of go synonymous in my book. <laughs> bad planning, bad planning. That's about the only planning they do, Kale. Um, it's worth pointing out, right, that the way publishing works. Night Terrors was probably slotted in to that position for quite some time. And look, I love comic book writers. They're great. They don't need lead time. All right. Let these let these men do their thing. These men and women do their thing. Mostly but, men. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I corrected myself, but also it's like, damn, 95% of these freaking Maybe DC should dudes. correct you as well, yeah. But Maybe they should correct themselves. Yeah, exactly. The, these men, Teeny and Leah. Right. <laughs> and G. Willow Wilson. Right. Like, but um, the artists, sure. But if, if, if that's the case, listen, we've dealt with fill-in artists. It's a thing. We can do that. I think that if DC had to reflect on the year, it's tough for me to see how Night Terrors doesn't stand out as an error in their publishing line. Does anybody have a legitimate alternative perspective on, on Night, Night Terrors? No. You you gonna ask this on the We Hate Night Terrors podcast? <laughs> hey, listen, yeah. maybe 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 there's a maybe there's a listener out there who wants to write us and say, hey. Don't shit on Night Terrors. That's my favorite event of all time. Uh, it, it would have been a good Justice League Dark arc. Oh, yeah. yeah. I agree with that. Wholeheartedly. Just, uh, that, if you want to launch a Justice League Dark number one, that's a great way to do it. Yeah, yeah. agreed. But they didn't even do that. No. 
Like whatever happened to like it. whatever happened to like mini events like like uh, Rot World. I know Marco's gonna perk up at the thought of that, but like Rot World was like a little mini event uh, for Swamp great. Thing and Animal Man, you know. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like you can you can use that to launch new titles after that as well, um, but you don't have to freaking put the whole line on pause. In the end, another thing about Night Terrors is that um, with the Titans being the big heroes or whatever, the Titans weren't even part of the ending of it. They were asleep. It was yeah. still a Batman event. Like yeah. it, it, it was a dead man in Batman's body event. <laughs> right, so it was a Batman event. Yeah, true, yeah. And Sandman. Oh, yes. Sean's favorite. Wesley died. Right, so it was... So it was a Batman event. <laughs> right. Yeah. And like, I mean, they, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, w- I could maybe justify it a little more if they were launching titles out of it. Is it just Sandman, which has nothing to do with Night Terrors? Because that's part of like the Jeff Johns that, Justice yeah, Society. That was, that was announced months before Night, ter- <laughs> Night Terrors happened. Like if we had like a Zatanna that, that you know, spun out of it because she had a mini there. Like, the characters who had minis maybe getting ah. ongoings after it. Zatanna had one. Angel Breaker had one, which is, like, a new character Joshua Williamson came up with, who's just, like, this demon uh, muscle mommy. Give her a book. Um, and, uh, like, if you were able to, like, use that to spin out new titles and be like, all right, I get that. They're not even doing that. It's like they forgot about it, too. Yeah, the Titans coming out of Dark Crisis are the new Justice League. Why weren't the Titans the focus of Night Terrors? Because Not even DC knows that the Titans don't sell comics the way that Batman does. I mean, right, but, like, so it's a Batman event, sure. Why not have Nightwing and Starfire fighting next to Batman hmm. instead of Superman and Wonder Woman? You're like, what are, you do, what are you selling? Are you selling us the Justice League or are you selling us the Titans? There's no Justice League, Kale. They, they don't know. Well... Uh, MP in the chat says the only big positive I have for Night Terrors is forced continuity to sync up and DC continuity has been a a mess for a while sync up wow yeah and we just came again we just came out of Dark Crisis which was the sync up point yeah I don't even know that I feel that it did that I mean maybe I'm missing something I feel like all it did was uh, give people a reason to stop buying DC Comics. (laughs) And when you look at the way... Look, DC was our publisher of the year last year. Um, So we were were feeling them. We were feeling them. Uh, I'm just surprised that that's where we were. Yeah, DC has been strong. I'm not even like... I'm not even down on DC necessarily. That's the thing about this conversation is that Mm. if... Six months from now, if they keep putting out quality, I'll be, you know, I'll be good. But we've got a Titans event coming up that I don't care about. And am I wrong in thinking that it's going to be another line wide thing? This seems to be the thing I was talking about where it's like smaller event with other maybe like two or three other books tying into it. Like a Gotham War type of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. So we got that coming out, but it's like, okay, Beast World. Wow. Um, you know, Amanda Waller somehow tied into that, but okay, you know, that's not really progressing in a way that's compelling to me. But Sean, that one has Dr. Hate debuting. 
Oh. <laughs> Another Night Terrors villain. <laughs> like, I just need some propulsion. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, without a Justice League book, it doesn't feel like there's a book you got to get to know, like, okay, this is where DC is going. Because you look at when Snyder was doing Justice League, for example, whether you liked it or not, the major stuff that happened spun out of that book. Um, you know, if Titans is going to be the main book, things have to happen there that echo out. And I guess Beast World will, will be that to some degree, and they deserve the chance. Um, it's a bit unfair to Tom Taylor and Nicholas Scott that they haven't had the chance to really tell their story yet. But that's not my problem. That's DC's problem. This I'm I'm talking about the world we're in right now. Uh, shout out the Atomic Hound super chat. Thank you very much. Oh uh, wow, Atomic Hound! Thank you so much. The twenty spot. Let's go. Damn. Um, you guys are correct. Night Terrors is affecting the line now, and I can see readers who aren't in, in fully invested in giving up. By the way, Sean, I hate Harley right now. Strict. Strictly a hate read. Great discussion as usual, guys. Enjoy NYCC. My man, my man dropped the cost of four Harley Quinns to tell us how much he hates it. <laughs> to clarify, to clarify, hold on a second. You, you're, you're about to slander the man's name. And uh, thank you so much, Atomic Hound. You really, you, you truly are the man, dog. Um, I <laughs> want to use this opportunity to say that super chats are open. As Atomic Hound uh, beautifully illustrated, if anybody else wants to partake, of course, uh, hit the like button if you want to do a draft later today. The like goal is 25, so let's hit that so we can do a, a draft. Uh, we've got a lot going on. Tyler, you seem to want to say something. Well, I was going to say that Harley is uh, is Atomic Hound's Avengers uh, for you. <laughs> uh, just, just a hate read at this point. Oh. Can I really just quickly say that if Avengers was a book that was still coming out and we weren't doing this show for some reason, I would absolutely not be buying. Okay. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't even do a hate read. It's, it's a show read at this point. Yeah. The, third, the secret third category. Um, but I did <laughs> want to say something, too, where it's like I, I just wish DC could just like simmer down a bit. Like we don't need – line-wide events we don't need crossovers constantly like if i could just live in a dc for even like a year where like a book like power girl gets to do a good 12 issues by itself a book like uh, action comics the way it is gets to just tell a story by itself um that's what i want in comics you know what i mean like i just want to see these these writers artists you know the whole creative teams work on a book without it feeling like something else is affecting it right yeah like let editorial kind of take a backseat. Let the creators cook. Oh. I feel like if something organic, I don't know if DC does this, if they have the summits that Marvel uh, does or used to, but if something organic comes out of one of those talks, great. Yeah. But just coming up with ideas to make the tentpole event every year without anything kind of building towards that, it's not interesting. Like Marvel was good at it, you know, like Hawkeye, Fractions Hawkeye. It's a great example of that. I just kind of came about and let it – they just let him cook. And it was, it was probably one of the best best runs of the 2000s really. Um, same for like Tom King's vision when that started. Um, DC always seems like they got to just 
shoot themselves in the foot at, at least once a year. And it, yeah. it is frustrating. My question uh, is which which books right now are the books that you guys are kind of holding on to from DC? Which are the ones that you're looking at and you're going, this is why I'm still reading DC comics right now. Action comics. That's easy. Yeah. A lot of heart. Uh, it's been doing a good job. PKJ. Batman. Starsky's Batman. I don't, I'm not crazy about the Gotham War, but man, they can uh, weave a, weave a tale that, you know, gets me excited. Dude, think about the, the conversation around Batman from before Night Terrors to after. When Night Terrors happened, people were angry that the, the story of Batman stopped because yeah. of Night Terrors. Now that Night Terrors is over and Batman is back, all of a sudden everybody hates Batman. For me, uh, Doom Patrol jumps out. Uh, right away, uh, World's Finest, uh, recently Birds of Prey, <laughs> pretty damn good, <laughs> uh, Shazam, uh, like, there, there, there is good stuff there, um, I like the Green Hour run, people have thoughts about that, but, hmm. Nightwing continues to be good, although that's pretty much a carryover to prior, so I don't know if that counts. I think it absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Nightwing yeah. is written. <laughs> Titans is written by the guy oh that's doing Nightwing. Why isn't Titans being treated the way Nightwing is? Oh, like, like un, you mean like untouched and unbothered by the crossover? Same. Oh, well, <laughs> wish I could be unbothered. Um, no, just that you know it feels. I, there's something about it that feels almost sterile, you know? And I don't know if it's the art, if it's the fact that they're not letting the Titans do anything, mm. you know, whereas Nightwing is involved, he's in it, he's doing it, but he's leading this team, the universe leading team, and it, nobody, he's not doing anything. Nightwing feels like Tom Taylor doing really good Tom Taylor stuff. Yeah, uh, and he yeah. knows the voice, and he and he feels like you know the same one that did like Suicide Squad and stuff. Titans feels like when you're hanging out with a new group of friends, and you don't know how to be yourself entirely yet. Yeah, you know, I completely agree with that. <laughs> it's still a little it's clunky. like well, I don't want to say anything that would maybe piss them off. I don't know their sense of humor yet. Uh, so Titans just feels a little little uptight, honestly. Up Titans is how I'm gonna coin it now. Harris, the Batman hate is definitely go away heat in the reference in in the sense that people uh, are unhappy with the series right now and they feel like this, the Gotham War stuff is cringy. Um, so that's that's been the vibe since Gotham War started. Again, I don't agree with that. I think uh, Batman itself has been great, even if you don't like like Kale said. I don't like. A lot of the stuff happening in Gotham War, but for some reason that shit's compelling to me. Like, yeah, like even if you don't like the Catwoman side of it, and like the it, even if you don't like the Catwoman side of it, like the ethical drama that's happening is pretty interesting. It, it's a good enough premise to keep that going, and the art and the the family drama that's happening is exciting. 
Yeah. Tom McCallan kind of also brings up kind of what I was getting at with, you know, Titans feels performative. Um, I, I kind of ag- agree in, in the sense that it feels performative in like a real sterile way. I think, Kale, you said sterile, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's that's how it felt. Where like I think Nightwing is also like a little performative, but I think it feels right for the character and it feels right for the voice. And it doesn't really stick out like a sore thumb for me. Yeah. Uh, he, he's had time to, to like build into it to like find yeah, his footing yeah, yeah. and he still needs to do that for um for Titans. so it's just a little bit clunky i think but it, it hasn't been as quick to hop on as he has for other books and, I, and i'd argue that nicola scott art is also a little not very loose either which okay. is also was, adding was, to it i was gonna say that too but i didn't want to just you know get it you know do a drive-by but like <laughs> nicola scott's catching strays <laughs> you know like I feel like if the art were more dynamic, you know, it's cool. It would be cool. Pulled in a little more. Listen, I'm going to say something right now. Tom Taylor has been given the ball. Okay. This is the ball. Titans right now is the big, that's the big shot. There will be no more excuses or looking the other way. Or anything like that for Tom Taylor at this point. He has to nail Titans. If Titans is not good, I feel like his career trajectory changes. Hmm. Because so far, what are his hits? They're outside continuity stuff like Injustice. Yep. And Nightwing. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Nightwing. Titans is the first like major opportunity that he's been given. He has to nail it. He has to. But I still feel like the reluctance to take the actual Justice League, like the the Trinity off the table, has made it seem like even though they're saying Titans is the team now, it doesn't feel like they are. And I don't know if that's a DC thing or it's just he hasn't taken those reins. You know what I mean? Let's say let's say that DC hasn't given him because okay, sure. The 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 Trinity's on the table. Let's say DC hasn't served him up the best um, opportunity in that in that regard. He still has to make sure that Titans is great, yeah. because this is his opportunity. This is his chance. And putting out forest fires, as much as I love the forest and I always liked Smokey the Bear, that's not gonna cut it. Sorry. Brother Blood or Dr. Blood or whatever that guy's name is, we got to level up. And they're ju- he's just rehashing Titans events. Right. You know, the next one is Beast Boy infects the world or whatever. We've done that. Jeff Johns did that. Mm. Like, they, <laughs> I, I think we said this not that long ago, but the first page of Titans should have been Nightwing knocking out Trigon. <laughs> like, cool. the Titans need a level up, and Tom Taylor's not giving them that. You're saying if their trajectory is ultimately to get to Justice League status, like, we need yeah. to have picked yeah. up. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, they their, need their, to... big, their big bad is already beyond them. Like, they're right, already beyond right. their big bad. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Dark Crisis should have kept. The heroes, the main heroes that like, you know, the eight tier heroes off the table, at least until the end of the event. If you ask me longer, 
but at yeah. least until the end of the event and let the Titans beat Deathstroke and all the other villains themselves. Yep. That's what had to happen. Yep. Yeah, it's not like Titans also has a former uh, Justice League member or anything like that. Oh, wait, they forgot about Cyborg again. <laughs> Rip. Yeah, he's just on the back burner. He's barely in Titans. And what is Raven? A joke? Like, these characters are powerful. These are these are powerful characters. I'm all about the Justice League. But if you're telling me this is the moment of the Titans, sell it in content. Sell it in moments. Everybody read Dark Crisis. That was the shot. Let me know there. And even, even Night Terrors. Like, yeah. they, if uh, Hound said it in the chat, and I said it earlier, if DC gave a shit, they would have had the Titans defeat Night Terrors. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Bring back Jeff Johns as the leader of DC. You know, I feel like Jeff Johns is a little busy right now. Doing stuff. Yeah. I feel like he's got some uh, some things cooking. Uh, Peace World and Waller Meta War might build up to something, but I'm not invested yet. And I think that's a big problem because yeah. Dark Crisis was, what, last year? Yeah. And we still haven't gotten to the point where Amanda Waller has done anything interesting at like, all. Revealed like larger plans. It's been still in the background. Can I make an, uh, an analogy? Uh, Tyler, you would, of course, know about this. It would be like if Norman Osborn, after he killed the Skrull Queen, did literally nothing <laughs> but, like, pop yeah. up in shadows yeah. after the fact. Yeah. They hit the ground running. My man was immediately yeah. the main boss of, of all of Marvel. Honestly, it you should have you sh you should have given, given Amanda Waller the kill shot. That would have been a, a crazy ending to... Yeah, it's a dark crisis. It was there wasn't even I don't even think there was a page wasted on Norman Osborn. Oh, we've got to go through the bureaucracy of changing Shield into Hammer. They said, "Nah, it's Hammer now," and y'all fuck y'all, dude. He literally sits right down, if I'm remembering correctly, with the the evil villains, and is yep. like, "I'm in. Let's get to yep. work." Yeah, yeah. We should. He I said, would love to do a retrospective on that the Dark Reign era. He said, oh my dude, god, I'm dude. In. <laughs> He said death to the Avengers. Yeah. And we said fucking okay. And they had Mommy Loki there too, drawn by yeah. yep, Lanil Yu. Yep. Oh yep. boy. Yeah, that's that's that is my Come shit. Oh, oh. Yeah, that was also like internet was different back then too, where like none of that stuff would be spoiled for you either, you know. So mm. beautiful uh, times. Beautiful not, times. Not like somebody taking pictures of Batman in the back of a comic book store and leaking it on the internet two days <laughs> before it comes out. <laughs> Uh, Amin Perez in the chat says Amanda Waller and Peacemaker feel more powerful than Titans right now. Um, I mean, I don't even know what they're doing. They they have the power to be everywhere. I know that because Peacemaker's in like every book, but he's not doing anything. They have a really good lighting team with them that loves to give them like <laughs> under light uh, for all their dramatic shots. Yeah. Never well, travels I without them. And I agree with with Atomic Hound's sentiment. And I think as we wind down, um, he, which his sentiment was, having said all this, Dawn is a distinct improvement over Infinite Frontier for me anyway. I, I agree with that. Um, I think overall, if we're looking at the bigger picture and putting Night Terrors to the side, which even DC clearly wanted to do, I think that 
yeah, uh, DC is in a good spot. And I have hope because the new Green Lantern book uh, by Philip Kennedy Johnson is a banger. Yeah. It's an absolute banger. Um, and, and there are a lot of really strong titles. It's not that not good books. It's that the overall direction doesn't feel strong. I would argue it felt stronger during that Infinite Frontier sort of pre-dawn era. A, a little bit. There does seem to be a little bit of a let's throw everything at the wall and see what sticks right now. Um, and I think you have things like like Doom Patrol, which got an extra issue, you know, because um, they had buzz around it. Um, but I, I will say there, as I was looking, like when you called called us out to see like what books we were talking about, I was looking in my in my iPad, and there's a lot of good stuff. Honestly, it's out there. Yeah, you just have to sift through it, kind of thing. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I will. I will say I'll, I'll give them credit for one, one other thing too. Is I think the the branding of the actual, like the trade dressing for the Dawn of DC has been very good. Mm. Just to know what's part of Dawn of DC. And then they have the little banner and they usually have like a corner box that kind of tells you what section of the DC universe it's in. Um, I think that's been real good. It real like, uh, you don't really have to think about it, but it's, it's kind of affecting you uh, in the mm. background. So I think, strangely, the branding works out, you know. Although I think DC's always been pretty good at branding. Um, and in marketing, like friggin' Green Lantern rings was huge. Um, That's true. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think that this editorial team that DC has right now, as far as I'm aware, which I'm pretty sure this is accurate, we have seen all of the five G would have been, could have been, should have been stuff. Yeah. So this is them now. This is that editorial team now, the new fresh team that DC brought in after they kicked out the old guard a couple of years ago. So they have to show us that they understand not just how to pick great creators, put them together and let them cook, but also how to manage an entire line of books and make sure that these crossovers hit. And so far for me, when you're talking about uh, Dawn of not Dawn. Um, Lazarus Planet. Dawn. Uh, what's that freaking Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths and Night Terrors were a little iffy. It's a little shaky. And that that's crazy that it, we're able to lump like a crisis event with some other events that just like happened and followed after. Like the recency of that is actually wild. You would think you want that that room to breathe and live. And they're giving us none of that. Oh, wow. Robotters brings up a good point. I think we have one more left over of 5G killing Joker. Oh, man. It feels like that's what Batman is leading to. That's that's so interesting. I'm so glad you said that. For those of you who don't know what he's talking about, uh, in the 5G files, one of the things that was brought up was that a Batman who's mentally unhinged, whose mental state has been worn down, um, gets into a, a, a fight with the Joker, or rather with Bane, and he lets the Joker kill Bane. That's right. Um, yeah, that's right. And everyone finds out, and that causes Batman to have to go on the run. So if 
something like that were to still occur, which we're seeing the mental state deteriorate, that could be the last vestige of 5G. Man, if anybody but Chip does that, I'm done. I'm done. Chip has been setting this up so well. I'm excited for that event. And, and Chip's also been avoiding Joker. Like, it hasn't been touched yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, it's a, most of the Zeranar stuff, which Zeranar and Joker have a history. So, and, he, and, he, and he's tapping into Grant's stuff a lot, too. So, the Zeranar Joker meetup happened in Grant's run, right, Sean? In RIP. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Chip calling back to more of Grant's stuff with that. Definite possibility. Yeah. MP Love in the it. chat says, uh, Zer Batman is going to kill the Joker in Mind Bomb, which is, I think, the next Batman arc uh, from Chip. Um, and then they say, uh, and then the Joker will become the immortal pale man. Pale man who laughs. Who's the immortal pale man? Is that the, the guy I see when I take too many Benadryl? <laughs> so, Kel, you're into that idea if Chip does it. Yes. Uh, because I feel like Chip has set it up, you know, with Zeranar and everything he's been building up to. If they pivot and give it to Mark Wade or, you know, no disrespect, you're not even to Mark Wade. Uh, if they pivot and give it to Wade or Jeff Johns, come on. You just want him to carry the story like through. Chip, Chip has earned this. What Chip? I got. I let Chip get away with so much in Daredevil. Like he, he became an angel. He fought an angel. He went to hell. Like, and it was all good. So, I'll let Chip do whatever. It's fine. Oh yeah, yeah. Chad is is saying that Joker has been seated throughout this uh, Chip Starsky Batman run, and that is true. I think it's been lower key. And that's why it's it's under the radar because there was, I mean, the 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 primary forward facing antagonist of that arc where Batman was in another, uh, you know, realm or whatever was yeah. a version of the Joker or a dude right. who wanted to be the Joker. So that is there, yeah. MP says Pale Man was Scott Snyder's idea of the Joker actually being an immortal demon all along, mm -hmm. but it seems mm -hmm. like Chip is reworking that idea. And then we're gonna uh, we're gonna close this conversation with a, a a comment from Flo Dameron who says, "I gotta say, titles like Green Lantern, Shazam, and Cyborg, uh, Night Terrors was terrible. I did like Night Terrors, but you had some good titles on Steam. I knew that if this conversation lasted long enough, we would get a comment from a person who genuinely enjoyed Night Terrors. So there you go. What's <laughs> up, Flo? Thank you for joining us. Uh, yeah." I, I and and I think that would be like impossible to argue against. Whether you like Night Terrors or not, did books lose steam? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. So we're giving DC the benefit of the doubt, though. This is not a crisis time for DC. Um they're all right. They just need to write the ship and cool the events a little bit off. And just tell some really good stories because they've got the roster. They definitely have the roster. I mean, now they have the ramp for that. So hopefully that they build that steam. There is no, is there another event coming up? What's the next event? Aside Beast Wars world. At the moment, I think the only thing we know about are the, what seems like the mini ones okay. that Tyler was talking about. We've got Beast World. 
Gotham um, War is happening. Yeah. Uh, but we have New York Comic Con next week, and I'm sure they will announce stuff there. Oh, <laughs> There's yeah, a Batman panel already announced, yeah. We will see. So, you know, you got some work to do, DC. We'll give you a grade at the end of the year. So uh, be on your be on your uh, your A game. Already on notice. That's right. <laughs> that is absolutely right. And we want to put you guys on notice that if you enjoyed that conversation, if you like what we do here, patreon.com slash the comics pals is the absolute best way to support your boys. If you like what we do, uh, we love to give you bang for your buck. We have so much stuff over there. So much additional content, never before seen podcasts, um, newsletters that are up there. Um, we, we were always putting stuff up on our Patreon page as we tackle New York comic con, which we're going to talk about a little more later. I'm going to be putting up, this is an announcement. I'm going to be putting up every single day, a blog of our experience at New York comic con absolutely free on our Patreon page. So how does that work? Yes. How does that work? If you want to check it out, all you have to do between Thursday and Sunday next week is head on over to patreon.com slash the comics pals. And if you're not subscribed, that is totally okay. You can still read my blog and keep up with us as we enjoy New York Comic Con. Between that and the social posts and the interviews, we have you covered. The other thing you get from our Patreon page is a nickname and a shout out on this very show. So, special shout out to the best pals in the universe, Thunderstruck, Rebecca Alejandro, and the Hound of Justice, Atomic Hound. And, of course, thank you to the Night Stalker, Harris Najinsky, Brian Demolisher Del Pozo, Kefis the Incorruptible, Momentum Mike Elliott, Starcross Catherine Stars, Dan the Truth Trudeau, Joel Justice, Jalen the Sanguine Sorcerer, Neon Knight, Cosmic Avenger, Marvelous Mike and Mackenzie, and... Joining the pals verse is oh yeah, so I got to I I pitched that I would do the next one. So what? we will be having just sorry that, momentum that's, killer. You just yeah, no, I was just, I just say not, the name. That's all you sorry, had to do. I didn't have it up. <laughs> um, Marley Manastorm, she is joining the pals verse. So Marley, Marley. I mean, uh, Sean might get the reference in this in this naming convention, but. Uh, Marley Manastorm has the power to tap into the arcane ley lines within Earth. Uh, Marley can summon wild magic to her fingertips. Her spell slinging is strong, but due to the wild nature of it, she doesn't have quite control like control over what spell happens. So I was kind of feeling like you ever did you see the Dungeons and Dragons movie at all? Yeah. So you understand how wild magic works in like D and D, where it's like oh sometimes random magic can just pop out of me. Like oh all of a sudden everyone's levitating for some, for no reason because I don't have control over things. It's a bit like the Mary Jane jackpot thing. Yeah. Oh, a little okay. bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, and now I guess magic exists in the Palsverse. Do we ever uh, – is this a retcon? Is this a new revelation? I don't think I I've – Yeah, I don't think we have a magic user. Ooh. Comics Pals Dark. Nice. Ooh. Well, so what's her story? Uh, her story is that she just woke up, has no memory of her past, but has this – strong feeling with it's not quite nature but it, it is this this it's the way I, I imagine eric adams feels about new york city it's this vibe that she can just pull out from underneath uh 
the crust, really. Um, and because of that, um, she uses that to not necessarily help people, but everything, there's just stuff always happens around her. She's trying to figure out where this power comes from. But, you know, because of that, she just gets into a lot of shit. Um, and it's a little bit of Pink Panthery, you know, like bumbling around, like, oops, I just, oh, you're welcome. I saved you. I didn't mean to, but I did. Um, so I wouldn't go quite full hero, but definitely not a villain. So kind of in this weird liminal space in between, we're just trying to like figure herself out. New hero kind of uh, story. There is a, a legitimate, well, legitimate, there is a, a, a theory that Alan Moore has actually put out that um, things are connected, you know, in the universe. Yeah. And, you know, if you can, like, envision yourself doing the thing, you can, you know, find it. So my comics professor one time went and listened to Alan Moore talk. And he, uh, my professor went and just got, like, lost in the city or whatever. And uh, he realized he got lost. It was getting late or whatever. And he went. Man, wouldn't it be crazy if I stumbled across Alan Moore's place? So he just starts walking. An hour later, I shit you not, he comes across Alan Moore's place. That's awesome. Is there a sign? Like, how do you know it's Alan Moore's place? Like, <laughs> uh, you probably does know. Does the door have a beard? Like, is it a, is it a law? Is it a tall tower with no doors? Like, but yeah, a wizard tower yeah. of <laughs> snakes right going up. It's, it's, it's just, it's just yeah. a black monolith from two thousand one. <laughs> That's sick. Yeah. Did he knock yeah, on the door? Did he go in? I don't think so. Would you go in? I yeah, wouldn't go I would, knock on Alan Moore's door. I, I would, I'd yeah. knock on Alan Moore. I mean, I'd yeah. be turned into something like off uh, off rip, but he probably has I'd, like I'd a, I'd a green man home. door knocker. Yeah, yeah, a gargoyle or something. Like but something. but just the idea of ley lines, I really enjoy. You know, it's it's, it's big in Warcraft, yeah. big in D anD. d Literally, the near the the mayor of New York does believe that New York City is uh, uh, was built on a crust of magical gems that gives it its vibe. He has said this. Um, so uh, that same kind of feel is how my, I my, about this. My mayor, Eric Adams, has said that? Yeah, your mayor, yeah. Wow. Well, so thank you. Sorry, can you say the name one more time? That would be Marley Manastorm. Thank you, Marley, for joining us. Uh, we hope you enjoy your 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 time in the pals verse. Appreciate everybody who uh, who who becomes a part of it. You guys are amazing, uh, and we love you. If you want to watch this show live, it will be next week live on YouTube.com/slash The Comics Pals on Sunday night. So, because of New York Comic Con, we are not actually going to be able to do the show at the normal hour um we are going to shift and do it on sunday night we'll keep you posted on the time that we're going to do it yeah um but that's our plan so hopefully you guys can come have a nightcap with the comics pals comics pals after dark we get we get drinks we can get drinks we've done comics pals after dark at 11 a.m i've been here you know drinking so <laughs> um Time don't matter. Pals Pulls this week is live Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern for the same reason. So adjust your adjust yourselves if you want to catch us live this upcoming week. 
Does anyone want to volunteer for the next uh, Palsverse uh, thing as well, just so we can maybe sell that? I'll do it. All right. So if you if you subscribe, Marco gets to give you. A is that a is that a sell? I think for some I people, do will it. Be. I, I mean, I think I think Tyler's been advertising himself long enough that I don't think it's a sell. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I think it um, just happened to be. Yeah. Uh, join our Discord server. We're always having a ton of fun over there. It's a good time. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next book club is going to be on October thirtieth. It is going to be live live from new york yeah technically ish um and it is going to be we're going to be tackling batman the long halloween for the first time ever we are going to talk about that book in a book club form we encourage you to join us because not only is it live not only we're doing the long halloween but we want to hear from you live after the book club ends in a talk back. We want to know what you think about the long Halloween. We want to engage with you on your thoughts on that series and why you love it so much. Cause who doesn't love it? I'd like to hear from someone who doesn't love it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's almost unanimously like the Batman story. So I want to see what yeah. you think. Yeah. I want to see some haters. <laughs> <laughs> Not again. <laughs> Speaking of. Batman. Oh. And given the month, it's October, you know, spooky time. You know, Batman has been in some spooky books. Uh, Batman is one of the most popular, I think, like, sort of scary heroes, because Batman is often uh, used in that way. In honor of that, I want to do something a little different around these parts. So what we're going to do, what I what I have... Uh, decided today is that today will be the first day of a new countdown. And so what I'm counting down is my top five favorite Batman stories. No. Yeah. Yeah. Is there an order? Yes. I gave it to you. Well, okay. We're, we're, we're doing, we're doing, Two or two this week, and then one every week after, where the last one will will be on uh, the last Saturday of October. So okay. that's how we're gonna do it. And I want to n- knock these out of the park real quick. Um, the rules, not not rules, but my thoughts. These are Batman stories exclusively. So like, it can't be, like for example, an honorable mention would be Batman Black Mirror. Love it. Great story. Bruce isn't in it. Oh, oh, it's got to be a Bruce book. Yeah. Okay. okay. And it can't be like Justice League Tower of Babel because that was like, even though it was mostly a Batman story. Exactly. Got it. Exactly. To write these down. <laughs> uh, so I have to throw two out this week. So I will do that. Uh, the first one, number five on my list is Batman, the Court of Owls. Oh, it's a high ranking for that. I think it's a low ranking for that for Sean. That's a yeah? good ass book. I love the Court of Owls. It's phenomenal. Of course, we're talking about Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. This was the first time for me in my life that I got to come in on the ground floor of a new Batman creative team. 
because I came in, uh, I didn't start with issue one of Grant's run. Um, not that it was issue one, but you know what I mean? Um, I didn't start there. And that was the first Batman anything I had read. So I started fresh with Scott and I was really excited. This was the new 52. This was just, this was just so cool. Um, and the court of owls felt truly distinct and special, um, and different than everything else I had read. Yes. It's a, it's a, it's a secret society underneath Gotham that has been controlling things from behind the scenes, which is the exact same thing as the black glove. I know that, but it was so creepy. And I love the way that it sets Batman up as thinking he knows everything, but really knowing nothing. And the way that that mystery unfolds was just so uh, interesting to me. And then my favorite issue of that arc, everybody remembers this, the issue where Batman is drugged and beaten and he's in their lair and Greg Capullo is playing with the book and it's turning yeah. and it's creepy and horrific and disorienting. And you feel like you're going through what Batman is going through. That was phenomenal. Just a great, great arc of Batman storytelling. Love that. Uh, and then number four is Batman Gothic, which I, I love. Uh, I have read Batman Gothic probably as much as anything except um, Grant's run. I love it so much. Uh, this is, speaking of Grant, this is Grant Morrison with uh, Klaus Janssen, and it is a strict horror book. It's a It's a horror book, but it doesn't lean into the horror so much. It's more psychological in a lot of ways. It's asking you big questions about, you know, God and the devil, how do these concepts and ideas play into Bruce's life as a child? Um, and it interweaves a very, very old villain that Batman will confront more than once in future Grant stories. Major Grant heads will know what I'm talking about. Um, and probably one of my favorite panels in all of comics, which if you listen to our Batman Gothic book club, you will know all about. Um, I love Gothic. I think it's great, and I think it's underrated. Hmm. So those are number five and four. Uh, we'll do the rest throughout the month of October. You guys are welcome to tag along. And by you guys, I mean the rest of the pals on this show and also you guys that are listening. Think about Batman. Think about your favorite books. Everybody has five favorite Batman stories, and I want to hear them. I'm just kicking it off. So that's what we're going to do. I got mine, or I, I at least have mine, my two today. Go for yeah. it, dude. Uh, so my first one will be Batman The Last Arkham. Uh, now, this uh, isn't Arkham Asylum. It's not, um, you know, any of the other really cool uh, uh, Arkham Asylum books. This is um, the first appearance of Victor Zaz mm. and uh amygdala and jeremiah arkham um so i i believe uh i could be wrong about this but i believe that uh this might be the first time that batman gets uh put in arkham and he goes in very specifically to weed out uh you know corruption in um 
in the Arkham system, and he he thinks it's linked to um, Jeremiah Arkham, you know, the guy that runs the place. Turns out Victor's ass is just slipping out every night and killing people. Mm, damn, that's pretty cool. It's an incredible story. It's Alan Grant, uh, Norm Brayfogle. It happens before Batman Nightfall, which is also really cool. I didn't know that. Um, I I have always loved stories where <laughs> where normal people call out Batman on his bullshit and he gets locked up because this dude is crazy, right? Yes. And and were it not for the fact that the Joker's out here doing all the bullshit he's doing, he would be locked up. Um, but I think it's uh very impactful when um everyone else calls out Batman and says, No man, you're the problem here. Um you need to sit and think about what you're doing and what you've caused. And uh, it turns out Batman's right, but it really gives good introspection and good um, and good action. You know, geez, how's Batman going to get out of this? And he always does, and he's always right. Love it, pretty much. Those are two stories I haven't read. Yeah, it's incredible. I highly recommend it. Um, my f- number four is. Batman Nightfall. Um, This is where Batman is uh, taken out. This is his doomsday event. This is where Bane breaks his back. The bat. Uh, Go ahead, Tyler. I don't know. I'm I'm good. Oh. I stopped myself uh, from a bad joke. Okay. It was my first experience in a, uh, a real, like, long Batman saga. Um, they, the early like DC trade system had these three volumes of massive, you know, trades. Um, I just think it's great. We get to see Batman at his weakest where he goes up against Bane, Bane breaks him. And then we have to see, uh, the rise of John Paul Valley as Batman. And then eventually you know, he becomes uh, Azrael. Um, Tim Drake is in the middle of this trying to navigate it all. But at the end of Nightfall, you also get to see Bruce Wayne, like, train himself back up. And he has to go through, like, a legitimate gauntlet in, like, a a, a ninja bat outfit. That's just it's dope as hell. Um, it's something that I think nobody does anymore. Uh, you know, probably because it's been done, but it's a it's a story that I think deserves attention. I haven't read it. I've never read Nightfall. Yeah, I same. sold a Definitely. lot of Nightfall when I worked at Barnes like Noble. Yeah, huge but. gap. Yeah. Like I, I I know the you know the consequences and the larger story of it, but the event itself, yeah, same. Yeah, highly recommend it. Um, my number five would be, and I'm still thinking up my number four. I mean, I may need to sit with that one. 
Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't have any. <laughs> the uh, Zero Year. I remember that stuck out during New 52. I like going back and taking a look at some of those villains. And that was uh, a really fun um, Riddler sequence. There's, there's a, I, I have similarly a, a memory of you turn, there's just like a single page where you're looking at a, at a maze potentially and, uh, or a series of boxes. And then just, you continue to tilt the book around and around and around as you like decipher and navigate. And I'm just like, yo, th- that, and when you get to see Bruce do like detective work, that's my jam. I love that kind of stuff. And so I got to see not only some inventive stuff coming off Capullo, but also I think a, a really gripping story coming out of Scott Snyder where he, he's, he has to do the, uh, the work if he wants to beat the bad guy. And Riddler's a great villain for that. I know um, my top two. I don't know my bottom list yet. I'd have to sit on that for a little bit. Um, okay. Yeah. Like I definitive top two easily, but then there's a lot that can, I can do like probably a top 10 if I was rattling them off, but I want to order oh, yeah. them. So I don't, I really, I don't know. Okay. That's crazy. Yeah. I just knocked out my top five. <laughs> you you just know it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm missing one. I know, I'm, I know there's one. You, you only have five. <laughs> no, but, but there's, there's one that I'm thinking of that I'm forgetting the arc. Well, we'll do this. We'll do this every week until we've all gotten through our five. Um, and uh, I see so many. You guys are great. I love all the people posting your lists or your five and four, whether you want to, you know, do it as we do it or or just drop it all in the chat. That's up to you. But I love seeing all these different books. A lot of these that I haven't read or haven't read in a while. Um, so, uh, yeah, thank you guys for that. Love that. Hit the like button. Hit the like button uh, or do the equivalent. If you're listening to us on a podcast platform, we appreciate everybody who uh, who supports any way you do it. Thank you guys a lot. The uh, potential draft um, is relevant to our first discussion. So there's a little teaser. Yeah. Together a new DC. What? Well, uh, shoot. I'll, uh, I'll drop it right now. Uh, we're drafting a team of Titans. At, at the likes goal, which we're one away from. Kale's going to win that one. So, Word. We're going to have to talk about the rules of that a little yeah, bit we later, will, yeah. by the way. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, don't worry. My team falls well within the rules. <laughs> well, no, not for your sake, for my oh, sake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll be okay. <laughs> Y'all getting smoked. <laughs> no grown men. <laughs> well, we hit the goal. Uh, didn't take long. So let's bump it. Let's do 30. How about that? Since you guys are so slick. And believe it. Yeah. Sylv, come on. Sylv's not going to hit the light button. What? After everything we've done. After everything we've been through together. I appreciate the openness. <laughs> Candor. <laughs> well, you know what it is? Um, if we don't read someone's someone's comments, they just won't give us the like. You know? That's not a reference to you, Sylv. We're, uh, we're making a, <laughs> this a inside joke. A little inside joke, yeah. Yeah. Um, so speaking of the listeners and giving them their say, why don't we quickly get into a couple of listener comments, Tyler? Uh, I was muted. Yes. Hi. Hello. Uh, listener comments. I have so many screens open right now. Uh, so we had a listener comment from Joel justice on discord 
saying, with this being October 1st in the U.S., I wanted to ask, what is your favorite fall media to consume? Okay, can I just say one thing? The 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 phrase uh, media consuming it gives uh, I, I hate <laughs> I, like nothing against you, Joel. That is just like a thing people say now. Um, yeah. uh, it gives me the as, <laughs> as an artist saying I read a yeah. book as I consumed this media <laughs> does feel good. Uh, that's it not is. a you thing, Joel. That's just like across the board. Marco loves uh, it. He gets to put it into his binary bin and yeah. yeah. And just reference it for later. I uh, I've got a uh, my favorite fall thing. If you're ready for it, yeah. Mine is over the garden wall. Yeah, the, uh, series. It's a ten episode animated series uh, by a guy called Patrick McHale. Uh, came out in 2014, I think, and it is the fall cartoon i've seen one episode and i loved it um but yeah make make time because it's um each episode is about 10 minutes long um but it's completely worth it it's um so it's a story about two uh two young boys voiced uh, one of whom is voiced by elijah wood um and his younger brother is legitimately like this kid sounds like he might be like five years old uh which fits for the character in it it uh it makes for just such good moments um but uh so these these two young boys end up uh lost in in the woods and they come across um a talking bird and a, a village of um walking pumpkins and they have to sort of navigate their way back home or get caught by the beast. Ooh. I didn't I didn't realize it was only it's only one season? Yeah. It's a one yeah, and done really. sort of oh. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was always worried because I've heard good things about it, but I was worried it was gonna be long, it was gonna be like a time commitment. But no. it's oh. Damn. Where can I where can I I'm I'll figure that well, out. Not on Max anymore. <laughs> uh, I, it's currently I, nowhere. I I love it so much. I have bought it on iTunes. Oh wow! Okay, like I I genuinely watch it every October. Uh, I do that with Donnie Darko for Halloween specifically. Me, my brother, my cousin. It's a yearly rewatch. Um, it's just attached to memories when we were we'd hang out, and so now we just keep it up as a as a tradition when we can. I've never seen that, but that tracks for you, Marco. I don't know how to it's explain a lot it, of fun. but <laughs> that feels right. Um, Sci- sci-fi time travel? I didn't know it had ta- time travel. I thought there was a bunny in it. That's all I knew. Oh, bunny's real cool. I, I literally know nothing about it. Um, oh, I think you would get a real kick out of it. It's a very good, probably, I think, yeah. cinematic piece, too. Yeah. Is that the uh, one where, like, the... Um, I, I only know this about it. It might not even be this movie, but the the DVD menu is backwards or something. I don't know. Or is that like Memento or something? That's, That's kind of funny. Memento. That makes sense. Okay. The um, If we're talking about actual consumption, uh, Pillsbury Halloween cookies, uh, that's a fall consumption for me. It's not media, <laughs> but they're so good. Like the Apple ones pie. Little, little, no, the ones with the little uh, uh, pumpkins on it or the ghosts, the sugar cookies, so good. 
Um, but actual consumption. So you, every year I usually manage to watch Halloween Town 1 and 2, <laughs> um, the Disney Channel original movie. Oh. Um, they're not scary. They're goofy. They're cheesy. They're horribly made. But it's just kind of like a, a warm thing for me. Uh, and in terms of like actual horror movies, I always find my way around back to Sleepaway Camp every year around this time. Uh, Sleepaway Camp is just a really bad 80s slasher um, that has one of the worst twists I've ever seen in my life in a movie. It was highly Hell problematic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I have uh, – I had a friend, uh, my friend Kevin, uh, who's watching now, Shadow Kevin, um, got me a light switch for the the the, the – I guess, climactic shot of the movie. Um, so there's a little part that switches. Uh, so I give you a hint of what the ending is about. Um, mm. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I, I recommend it. It's like everyone is supposed to be teens at camp and they look 40. Uh, it is hilariously bad. Um, but yeah. Um, I, I, I get into watching Buffy a lot during this time uh it's my comfort show so at this time if it's if it's october you can rest assured i'm watching buffy the vampire slayer or dawson's creek i am in the middle of a run 100 percent. are you in the middle of a buffy run right now yep where are you at uh angel just turned that he's literally watching it while he's doing the show he's barely <laughs> i see it in the reflection of his glasses yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much my thing. And then my girlfriend and I watch like a bunch of, you know, like horror films or we're like into psychological horror movies. So we just watched the game. I don't know if you guys know about that movie, but that is a that classic movie, movie. rules. Wait, if you're one? not doing anything tonight, watch the game. I've been watching the game for 15 years and I'm telling you right now, if you don't know what it is, do not look it up. Do not watch a trailer. Just watch it. You won't regret it. I haven't seen I that movie that. since high school, and I have not stopped thinking about it since high school. I love that movie. Who's in it? It sounds familiar. Michael, Michael Douglas. Douglas. Yes, I have seen the game. I saw it in uh, in in college in school. Yeah. No spoilers. It's one of these Michael Douglas movies where the dude gets so horny he fucks up his entire life. That's all oh, I'll say. Just just like me for real for real. <laughs> Felt. Um, also, good uh, fall tradition, Survivor Series. I always look forward to wrestling Survivor oh, yeah. Series every year. Absolutely. This year, Absolutely. Sean might like it a little more. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll talk about we'll that. Talk about fair, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Angel greater than Buffy. I, you couldn't be any more wrong. I'm oh, sorry. God, can we, can <laughs> we ban? Can we ban? No, he's doing it on purpose. Next, uh, next listener comment. Thank you, Joel. Appreciate you. So uh, this one we got via email. So thank you. Um, to Christian, who emailed us. Uh, said, hey, gents, first time reading Claremont's Uncanny X-Men from like 04, right before House of M. I like his voice for most of the characters, but after the first two arcs, the story seemed just kind of average. Do you guys like this run? Also only reading this and other associated titles, so I have context for Messiah Complex. Thanks, gents, to keep up the great content, mm -hmm. AEW Talk included. I think... Thank you, Christian, for the for the email. Um, I think you're reading the wrong Claremont. Oh, probably true. Uh, I think you're reading too late in Claremont's run. Uh, Claremont's stuff, this this stuff, the Claremont stuff, is right after Giant Size X Men. It's that into 
you know, the real school stuff. You get, you know, you get, you know, uh, uh, Days of Future Pass, Dark Phoenix Saga, all of that stuff. The, you know, introduction of Alpha Flight, all that stuff. That's, that's I think, the heyday of Claremont. Um, I think around the 04 time and right before House of M, it almost felt like that was Claremont's there. He was just there because Claremont and X-Men were a thing. And, and that's all it was at that point. It was almost like a legacy uh, higher at that point. Um, I think the House of M stuff is great, and I think you're going to get to some good stuff, but it's not the good Claremont stuff. So to add to that, I feel confident, although I'm open to correction if I'm wrong, that this is after Grant's new X-Men. Correct. Yep. And oh. this sort of and and subsequent series would also roll back and retcon a lot of the things that Grant did. Um Marvel didn't know where to go after Grant. So they went back to Claremont. And I think it's pretty clear based on the uh like the content that that's the case. Um I feel like, you know, if you want to read classic Claremont, you're going back to, you know, the old stuff, which is all all amazing. But coming off of Grant, I don't know how you can go backwards from that. And I think I, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was uh I imagine the that discrepancies felt pretty bad because Grant's writing yeah. is so different, is so uh, it just operates at a different pace and at a different level typically. And so to go back to from that, let's say, you know, you're looking ahead, you're moving on in the in the early aughts and to move to move back, especially for and I'm gonna assume that you know Claremont's writing style hasn't necessarily upgraded. So even when you're looking back on those books, you kinda have to get in the in the mindset of I'm reading an older comic. I I, I have to understand that context to appreciate it. Um, but if you're somebody who was probably reading at that time and that's the thing you came back to, I don't know that you make the adjustment. I think you dropped the book. Yeah. Claremont's, uh, you know, Tyler said it, but I, I'm, I'm with it. Like Claremont's best era is the stuff that the X-Men is based on. Yeah. You know, it's the seventies and eighties stuff that really made the X-Men a household name. Um, and that Marvel would try and go backward from evolving from that, like that's a hard, hard shift. You know, I fell off of Claremont, uh, or when I was doing that whole reread, I fell off right after Madeline Pryor gets introduced. Like they have the there's an airplane accident, uh, and Okay, yeah. she be she becomes like the survivor and stuff and so that's where i'm like okay things got whack wacky and ruly that's where i'm calling it that's but where I, I x factor started happening too and yeah with, with yeah Scott. yeah yeah i need to go back to that honestly i think uh uh, uh maybe possibly controversial opinion um the uh the what was it? x-men grand design in recent years, uh, it's a great summation of X-Men history that, that if you're interested in the X-Men, you should check that out. That's Ed Pisker. Um, you know, some people have thoughts on him, but, uh, I think it is a pretty cool, 
cool book to check out as well. The whole lot, that whole grand design thing is all awesome. Um, they had one for Hulk. Di- um, yeah, different graders each one, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic Four was the other one. Yeah, yep. thank you. Um, New X-Men was so problematic for Marvel that those runs are doing retcon work like no other to redeem Magneto once again. For what? Because then you go into you go into Claremont's run, which was basically a stopgap, and then right after that you get into Astonishing, which, if I remember correctly, Magneto was not even a factor in. Um, so it's just like, it, what did they do all that for? It was for nothing. Why did Zorn have to be retconned? Why did Magneto have to be retconned? That that was uncalled for. Marvel, it was an egregious sin, and had they not done that. Grant probably would have gone back, but they ruined everything that they worked on. And by they, I mean Grant. Yeah. Um, really unnecessary. But some people think Marvel's shows are unnecessary. I don't. Me. Oh. Uh, not all of them, anyways. Certainly not Loki, which I think, even if you didn't love Loki, it's definitely in the better batch of Marvel shows than the rest. Season one. I thought ended strong. Of course, it introduced Kang, um, and it really played with the idea of variants, and we got introduced to the TVA and everything else. Season two has finally dropped, and we have thoughts. Um, We are going to discuss the Loki season two episode one, uh, which dropped Thursday. Uh, We each got to check it out. Um, I feel like we can do, like, lightish spoilers, so if you really, really don't want to hear anything at all, you should probably step away. We can try to keep like the meatiest things out, yeah. but we're gonna have a conversation about the episode. So. Uh, mo- most spoilers would be really for the end of Loki because this is more of a direct. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not much in terms of plot point happens in this. Yeah, that you wouldn't tell if you didn't see the end of Loki season mm-hmm. one. Um, uh, can, can we start there? That not a lot happened. I think that, that, I like I like that, but yeah, go ahead. Oh, I I, hmm, I didn't like that. I, I wanted more movement because I know, I guess I'm coming in with the knowledge already of what happened in Loki. And frankly, I forgot bits and pieces of it. I, I didn't go back to, to rewatch necessarily, but... Yeah, sorry, Marco, quickly. Did any of you watch it? Rewatch Loki? No. I don't rewatch anything. Yeah, yeah. preach. Okay, yeah. So, so I think... It took a sec to be like, okay, that's right. This thing happened. This thing happened. Fine. I'm back in that mindset. Let's move on past that so I can get into this now story. But it felt very delayed into getting to something. Um, There were just a lot of talking head moments, and I didn't appreciate that for this season, especially with how just quick we started. We were just like in it. Yes, they're... Uh, the are these leaders are fake? The TVA, who knows what they're there for? Like these questions are rising up, but they felt like they got brushed to the side for this very slow buildup. That I don't know. To be fair, it's the first episode, so we'll see where it goes. Sean, do we know how many episodes is this? Is this like an eight episode or a ten? I believe it's eight. Okay, I, I believe it's eight. Um, yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, top lane yeah i i actually like this um i the longer i sat with secret invasion the more i was pissed off about that show um 
where it felt like the problem, I think, with a lot of Marvel Disney Plus TV shows is that they're movies that are then spread out to feel like a TV show. Um, whereas I feel like Loki is one of the few shows that feels like a show. It feels like it's paced in a way that is intentional to be episodic. Um, I, think, I think I'll give you that. Yeah, um, which there. which allows the slower moments to happen and allows character moments to happen. That's why we like a guy named Mobius M. Mobius, who's just Owen Wilson. Like that's his character, um, but we like him because we get to sit with him for a bit. We get to learn that he likes jet skiing. You know, we get to actually have character growth there. Um, and I think uh, with this, it's also like it feels like the director is actually trying something here, <laughs> um, where like. <sighs> I'm trying to think of outside of like James Gunn's, you know, Guardians, like that was a James Gunn thing. Um, all the most recent, you know, MCU stuff has just been like house style, where there are some shots in Loki in, in this Loki that I think are good. I think there, there's a, a couple of shots where it's um, Kihei Kwan's uh, character um, talking with Loki and then it's intercutting with him and, and, and Mobius and Mobius, and they're really close up shots that start to get a little closer and closer as it gets more hectic and hectic. Like the way the shot composition is feels intentional um, as opposed to let's just shoot the thing, which is what I feel like a lot of MCU stuff has been lately. So watching this, I was like, okay, I like this. I think I like this. I actually really like season one as well. So I, uh, boy, I, I had to fight myself to be interested in this. Um, between the Marvel TV shows mostly being, God dang it, being. <laughs> Do it again. Uh, well, <laughs> no, not during Loki. I didn't like it. I'm putting it out there. Uh, with the, the Marvel shows being mid at best, the. Um, the uh, Loki being especially egregious in terms of its uh, visual stuff, you know, with the CG and everything basically looking like massive green screen. Um, I, I That was my massive complaint through the whole season one, and I hated it. Mm. Um, coupled with uh, Ant-Man 3... And the Jonathan Major stuff, man, I'm out. I'm out on Kang. I'm out on uh, Jonathan Majors. I don't care about any of it. And I just like uh, there were bits and pieces of like the time stuff where I could like see where it was going, but even then, I was like, don't engage in this because it's not going to matter. Like. <laughs> Kill, did you stay for the after credits of this episode? Yeah, and I okay. didn't care. Okay. Mm. Uh, Sean, you're muted. Yeah, Sean, you're hey. muted. Yeah, something's going on. Oh, hello. Hi. Hey there. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to, I guess, tie things up because I loved this. I I thought episode one of season two was fantastic. I really, really appreciated that it kept a, you know. Contrary to what you guys kind of laid out, I thought it was a very propulsive episode. I thought it had a lot of stakes that were immediate and and present and understand it understandable. Um, I felt like if you 
remember what happened in the last episode of season one or you watch the recap, it kind of slots you right back into that place. And, you know, I cared about it all. I still love uh, Mobius and Mobius. And this was the show that got me to be a Loki fan in the MCU. So I was connected to what they were dealing with and watching him kind of time warp around and see like the old TVA and the new TVA and kind of, you know, bringing to light the truth of what's going on with the TVA and who's really behind the scenes uh, being Kang. I thought that the way that that was all done was really, really cool. I love just the way it was shot too, like the color grading yeah. change as yeah. you went through it. I was like, oh, there's actual uh, cinematography being done in this. You know, yeah. the they're working on like the set design of the TVA is my shit. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love like this like retro uh, uh, mid-century modern look to it, retro futurist. Uh, it's yeah. my thing. So I'm just predisposed to like it. Um, you guys should check out the TWA Hotel. It's right near, uh, uh, I think, JFK Airport. Yeah, it's a hotel yeah. that's almost feels True. like the TVA. It's, uh, it's really nice. Yeah. Um, they have a bar there. You want to go, Marco? Um, Ooh, yeah. yeah. I've heard, heard good things, actually. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I thought this was fun. And also, Kihei Kwan is great. Even though... Yeah. He felt stifled to me. And maybe that's hmm. the character. You know, because I, 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 there were there were bits where it was like he was very clearly, it felt like he was putting something on. Yeah, you know, um, but it didn't feel quite natural. I agree with that. I'd argue that's Kihikwan, though. <laughs> like, I'd argue like it, this is like it, it feels a bit like data, you know, from Goonies, where it's like, oh, I got all these gadgets. Look at all this thing. You know, I was expecting him to say booby traps all of a sudden, but. Yeah, but that was forty years ago. Like, <laughs> this I is mean, an adult man. Like, yeah, I know. it didn't. I know. It, you know, it didn't. It didn't feel like that. Yeah, I I felt more along the lines of you, Kale, of just like it. It felt clunky, and the some of the moments were just like bits for the sake of being a bit, which I didn't. Well, <laughs> I, I I didn't appreciate it as like as much. Just the some of those moments, it 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 felt like it slowed down the story for no reason we, we, like, we, we didn't have to go through all this rigmarole like you could have cut that scene top lane says it felt like an actor playing a person acting word yeah oh yeah i i got something so different out of him i'd never seen him before i didn't catch everywhere everything everywhere all at once so this was my first exposure <sighs> and i thought like a person if there was a tva and it existed for all this time and you were alone in a freaking you know, a, a storeroom, a shop, a workshop room by yourself, you might get a little weird. And I liked how weird and offbeat that dude was. And I liked mm -hmm. how, like, he knows everything. He's definitely the perfect person for Loki to be speaking to. But because he knows everything and because of how rigid he is, the only way that they could convince him to help was the fact that Loki was dealing with this time warp. And I also thought that was a great way to explain to the audience, might not fully get it, how this whole thing works. So I thought the rules of the time warp were expertly baked into that conversation to help watchers understand what was going on. That's fair. I, the, the function, I think, worked well. Um, mm -hmm. I think the, the character portrayal just uh, rubbed me the wrong way. Mm. I, w I wonder if maybe they could have, like... Key Hikwan did up a little bit more 
you know, where whereas what Sean said about the character is right. And he did that mostly really well. There were points where like uh there's a bit uh it's I think it's when Owen Wilson is about to do the thing. Yeah. And he says, you know, he says a line and then Obi is the character's name, Oroboro. Uh the character goes, Okay. But he doesn't say it flatly. Right. Like he he like he almost wants to put some excitement there, like he should have said something else. That to me felt clunky. It didn't feel like, you know, uh that person would be saying that. Because but that felt I was getting it as purposeful. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. That's what I'm saying. Writing wise, it is pur- purposeful. And I see what and I see you and I agree with you. His portrayal in that moment was not that though. And then even when Triple M is like, you know, trying to do the thing and and uh Obi's like five you got 30 seconds, man, and he's counting them down and he gets to five, four, three, three, yeah. three, like just trying to give him more time. I don't I don't know. I was so connected to this episode. I haven't felt this good about something that I watched um in the MCU on television at least in a long time. Um this was it for me. And I loved the fact that Kang was not in the episode, but he's also everywhere in the episode. That was well done. Yeah. I mean, after seeing Jonathan Major, Major's performance on that viral high school girl fight clip, I'm excited to see what else he can do um, in Loki. <laughs> you better watch out. Chill's here. Oh, okay. Um, so, so. Uh, um, top lane gives a, a good a good point. Um, he mentions Gen V. Have you guys checked out Gen V at all? It's no. the it's the boys spinoff show. Um, oh okay. And I think there is a distinction here that I, I felt because I, I watched these back to back. Gen V feels like a TV show that just so happens to be based on a comic book, but it's it's a TV show. It is what it is. Whereas Loki, there is a part of it, and I think it's it's a benefit, and I think it's a it's a it's a knockback that it needs to be part of a bigger thing. And you feel that in the show um, where it's like a, as, as much as it can be a season of TV, it is still a smaller piece of a larger puzzle. Mm. And I think that weight of it brings it down a little bit, but also gives it a little bit of gravitas. So like gives it a little bit of like, oh, okay, it's worth it to watch this. Um, and I think that's, I, I, I flip flop back and forth on whether that's a good thing. Whereas like Gen V just gets to be a TV show and it is friggin' wild. <laughs> Um, I, I recommend that. It's a very good, very good show. Uh, all in on Loki season two. All in, all out. <laughs> Glad you guys had a good time. Kel, check out Gen V. You might like it. No, <laughs> I I do want to see it. I've I heard I heard good things. A friend also mentioned it was pretty good. There's a five foot tall, actually built penis model they made for the show. So. All right, I'll watch it. Yep, yep. Specifically for the penis. Wow. That better be the first thing I see. (laughs) Read Alec Robbins' Crime Hot. Well, DC, back to DC land, 
has decided that they want to kick off January. They want to start the new year with Wonder Woman's daughter. Uh, uh, Trinity? Trinity, yes, absolutely. From the uh, Trinity is going to be getting her own comic in 2024. Now, before you lose your head, I am talking about a one-shot. Oh. A one-shot comic that is going to feature some amount of reprints um, and also new stories. Um, it's a little weird, quite frankly. We are going to see a story by King. Uh, Mitch, Jared's, Doc Shaner are going to be doing variant covers. Um, so there's a lot of cool stuff in here. Uh, Daniel Semper is coming back to team up with Tom King. Um, but I got to say, I got to say, I feel, and I, I, I want to I wanna know if you, any of you guys feel like this too. I feel like this character is being shoved down my throat. Should be our floor. Uh, I can see that perspective, Sean. Um, and I feel you. Um, and I know you, you of all people are hesitant to use that phrase too. Yeah. I don't even like that phrase at all, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to Tom King, he gets a long leash for me. So like, uh, let him cook is my friend, my catchphrase, I guess, but like, I'll let him cook a bit. Um, especially after his most recent stuff, like sometimes it, it needs to percolate a little long, um, sure. especially his ongoing stuff, you know, like with Batman, which I argue is a very good run. Um, so I'm okay with this and I'm okay with it. I mean, it, it does feel a little cash grabby. It's like, Hey, here you, all you speculators, all these different variant covers and all that come, come buy this book. So we get a cute little bump in sales. But, uh, I think that's my negative feeling on it. But in terms of like the actual text of it, like I'm fine. I'll check it out. Can't yeah. shove it down my throat if I don't care about it. Heard that one. <laughs> see it, see it all the time. But um, I I don't know. I I, I haven't been uh necessarily excited on Trinity even after one of many hundred. Like I I still think that they introduce too many of these spin-off of potential, you know, Wonder Girl characters and whatnot and uh they should have stuck around with Damn, I just miss Yara Floor, bro. I want a good book. Welcome to being a Wonder Girl fan, my man. God damn Marco, it. Marco, that, that also tracks for you. She's, what? She's fun. She's <laughs> just a good character. Sure. I think the problem is that they introduce so many of these you know, spin-off characters or sons or daughters or whatever. And it's like some of them do get kind of lost in the shuffle. We've seen it. Look, who's the who is the like unloved Robin? Which Robin is the one that you feel like, eh, I have my answer. Duke. Tim Drake. Tim. In, oh. oh. Duke isn't doesn't even count, I guess. He's not no. Robin. He's never been Robin. He was in We Are Ro Robin, but I guess that's like a uh, yeah, it's not. He wasn't Robin. He's never been Robin. Carrie Kelly? Does that count? No, I guess. Yeah. I I don't feel like she does. Carrie Kelly yeah. is literally the redheaded stepchild. 
but like it's it's Tim Drake for Batman. For Superman, it's uh Kale, help me out. You know who I'm thinking of. Connor. Thank you, Connor. It's gen, gen, genuinely it's that that generation. The the nineties sidekick generation. Tim Drake, Connor Kent, Bart Allen, and Cassie Sandsmark. Let's go. Yep. Boom. Also, your oh. favorite generation of uh Jeff Johns Teen Titans. That's why I'm frustrated, <laughs> Tyler. <laughs> And 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 so to 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 speak to what Marco was saying, you know, you get invested in a character, they shove them aside to introduce the new sidekick who is supposed to be better or more interesting, and the old ones go away. We didn't even have a chance to get invested in Yada because she's gone now. We don't even know, you know, where she is in the world. Deuces, exactly. So it is frustrating from that, um, from that perspective. But then I also get frustrated by the fact that I don't care that Wonder Woman has a daughter, to be honest. I don't. I didn't care when Superman had a son at first. <laughs> um, yeah. And when Batman had a kid, I got invested because the kid was there and it yeah. made sense narratively. Grant introduced Damien as a narrative device. Damien was not actually intended to be a full-fledged character going forward. This is something that Grant has talked about. So mm-hmm. that worked because the intention wasn't to get us to fall in love. It was to tell a good story. And we fell in love. A lot of people yeah. didn't love Damien at first. I, With, I still don't. Well, there you go. With Trinity, it's kind of like, hey, she's better than uh, than uh, than Damien. She's better than John. She's better than Bruce. She's the best superhero ever. Why? Because she's Wonder Woman's daughter. Don't you care? I don't. I don't. Kind of feels and like when you're, when you're playing in the backyard with your friends, and you have that one annoying friend who comes up with the most broken rules for his character, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Or the one who does the draft and always just picks the strongest characters, you know, with no nuance at all. Yeah, oh, right. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, being... go ahead, kill. Uh, and they haven't given us a reason to care, right? Right. Like they also they haven't shown us that she's better than them. You know, than all the other characters that you listed, they, her personality sure isn't. Yeah. To be fair, we haven't seen her outside of one issue, though, like or, or some backups but that's, as well. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't merit the introduction. I feel like, or like the the solo introduction. So, so Sylve actually had an interesting comment saying, "I don't think Wonder Woman should even have a daughter. Honestly, there's an expectation for women that we should." Um. Yeah. I don't disagree. And it's also like one of the things I was like, all right, Tom King is writing this. Oh, it's all guys writing this book again uh, from this perspective. Let's see what they can do. But, you know, so. Tyler, the last time you made that point, Sylv ribbed us for being an all male panel talking about <laughs> that fact. So, yeah. Um, I, look, Superman has a son. You know, uh, Bruce has a son. They wanted to give Wonder Woman a kid. I don't think that. I don't think Wonder Woman is the same kind of character. Um, I like the idea that she would not have a, a, a kid, at least not right now. Right now, it feels to me like following the trajectory of the other characters, whereas I think Wonder Woman needs to get established. Like they need to tell great Wonder Woman stories that center her, not her future kid. Her right now today, or or even if they want to lift up a, a Wonder Woman 
you know, sidekick, do one of the 15 she has. Right. Or there or, are hundreds in, in Themyscira, like, that already yeah. exist. Yeah. Organize these people, man, because, like, who's what, who does where, who fights with whom, like... It gets confusing. We're we're still wondering about like who's who's the daddy, you know? Like how did this? How did Trinity get born? When I don't even know how Wonder Woman was made. Like <laughs> that her her origin <laughs> is, is confusing enough. Okay, I'm so assuming Trinity is probably going to be you know Wonder Woman's a, a planet. Wonder Woman's origin of being made from clay out of just pure willpower, right? Um, yeah. Where there really is no father. That's what I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Um, because that I feel like that is a very boring trope. Uh, like I, Spider Woman did it fine. The whole who's the dad mystery. And I actually like the conclusion of that, um, but yeah, I don't think I, I think that's a fair assumption to have about Trinity. And uh, Ah says Superman with a family feels truly genuine. Absolutely, I wasn't saying that I don't like the idea. Now, when it first happened, I wasn't into it, but I also feel like Superman wasn't as established. Like the Superman books have gotten a lot better, and now when I read them, I'm like, man, this is good stuff because. It's earned, but I think just throwing a kid in the mix, it's like 90s television sitcoms. When they ran out of ideas, they threw a kid in the mix. Get a baby. Yeah, it's not earned. I will say, I actually find Superman more compelling with the kid. Like, that's what clicked for me is once John Kent came around when he was like a little kid. Um, Well, but I think that's, you know, all credit there's due to Peter Tomasi. You know, he made that work. And also, at the time... You know, when John Kent came around, you know, we had New 52 Superman doing other things, whereas this Superman was, he had a family and we didn't know about him, you know, and his adventures were being a dad and that made it interesting. Right. What's funny is like John Kent's a Dan Jurgens creation too, you know, like, like it was a convergence creation. Mm. Um, so it, it's weird to see that like Dan Jurgens is like Superman old guard. But even then, he has a lasting kind of power for modern Superman comics. Let's uh, let's shift gears. This comes out in January, by the way. So, um, you know, cool we'll covers. probably be reading it. Yeah, cool covers, good stuff, good art. Uh, Ty, let's skip the next one, okay? And let's talk about Zorro, if you can believe that. Oh, I got a hmm. Zorro book. We're we're getting a Zorro book. We're getting a new Zorro book. Um, so that's fun. It's gonna be by Sean Murphy. Huh? Whoa. Huh? <laughs> okay. Massive publishing is putting it out. Oh. And if you want to support it now and get it early, it's on Kickstarter. Okay. What is massive publishing again? It's a small publisher. <laughs> it's a small publisher. Remember whatnot? You ever yeah. hear whatnot? It, yeah, that's yeah. massive. Yeah. Okay. I I don't know what it is about whatnot, but they give me the ick, and I don't know how to <laughs> Um it 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 kind of came about that time when like NFTs and you know blockchain and all that stuff was happening. Um and it's like, oh, here's this uh, come to my whatnot where you can stream and, and buy this exclusive variant that it just feels like the, the parts of comics I don't like. Um, so having another big name creator who can sell this book on his name alone, go to Kickstarter is also being like, all right, come on. Well, 
Go ahead. Yeah, have that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I mean, that would happen. <laughs> if you're a publisher, you got to put your book out. Like, and this is a way to do it. I, I feel like it makes sense financially. Like, go out and, and be able to crowdfund. You know, maybe you get to publish 7,000 instead of 700. I don't mind more comics in the hands of people. It's just tricky. I want, I, I would like, I know we have people in the chat who have run their own Kickstarters. I'm curious to see what their opinions on this are because I have not. But in my opinion, like, Kickstarter should really just be for, like, I don't know, like, the little guy, you know, being able to actually crowd things from, a, from like, a grassroots level. Um, I mean, yeah. Where this feels like, I'm trying to think of, like, an, an analogous. Um, uh, Bizarre. Yeah, Reeves doing. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Oh, I still thought that was... Well, we know. <laughs> I So, I didn't think that that was a problem, the Keanu Reeves Berserker book, because that felt to me like, hey, Keanu Reeves is not a name from comics. He's not a creator from comics. His name being attached is going to bring eyes to this project in a way that it wouldn't otherwise have, and those people probably don't support comic book Kickstarters anyway. So, it's not playing to the audience of traditional weekly comic book readers. And I also thought that's why the prices were higher. It made sense in my head. This one, I feel a little different about. I'm not going to lie. I'm not sure that I'm on the side of like, this should never happen. But it feels different because Sean Gordon Murphy is a name in comics who has a built-in audience who are absolutely going to support this comic. Um, they're going to go out and buy it. This is going to do well in the direct market. I'm not sure I understand why it needed a Kickstarter. So the, the goal was 40K, which is a lot of money. It's a lot of money. I believe this is a four or five issue book. I think, it, I think it's five issues. And, you know, they're going to put out all the nice hardcover collections with variants and everything like that. They have a huge kickstarter plan by all accounts looks cool if you invest but it's raised a hundred and seventy seven thousand dollars already God damn I'm, I'm i'm coalescing my thoughts a little better now um this feels like and this is kind of part and parcel for both whatnot and sean gordon murphy um a cash grab um, whereas I feel like Kickstarter, traditionally, it feels like a place where people can put their passion projects on there, and that passion can show to gain support to be able to build and, 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 and kind of actualize that passion. Where this feels like, how much money can we milk out of it? You know, almost antithetical to the to the platform itself. Because um, yeah. what is it kickstarting? Nobody's career. <laughs> like, uh, it's kickstarting more wallet, you know, more money in the wallets of these people, really. That's all it is. And, and that's exactly what Whatnot is for all the variants they do. Um, and that's exactly what he does, uh, Murphy does when he gets those rent payments. Um, but yeah, it's just, it just smells bad to me. I'm going to buy this book, not on Kickstarter, but I'm going to buy it in stores. Um, you know, I think the Kickstarter offering is cool if you have expendable income and whatnot, but like, you know, $50 for. $50 is the price of the of the story. And it's only 88 pages of story. 
So to, to, it. Yeah, to get this book on Kickstarter, the hardcover graphic novel, it is $50. It is a KS exclusive deluxe edition, to be fair, but it is only 88 pages of story. Does, does Sean Gordon, Gordon Murphy come to your house and brand you with the Zorro thing himself? <laughs> we paid $10 for 63 pages at, with gods this week. Does he just go to like put up – is that how he does eviction notices now? He just puts a Z in the door, you know? Joe Monger says <laughs> maybe – that's okay. Maybe he introduced Kickstarter to a new user who will back others now. Um, that's a hard maybe. Yeah, that's that is, hard maybe, yeah. Look, and that's always possible. I don't think – like I don't think that anyone doing this is malicious, right? It, they're, they're living their own life. They're thinking, hey – this is a great way to get exposure for the book that we're doing. More people will probably have eyes on it because it's going to be popular. It's Zorro. We can get people from outside of comics, which is hard to do in the direct market. It really is. Like, let's not even undersell that. If you yeah. want to do a Zorro comic, any comic, the hardest way to get people to know about it is to sell it in the direct market. Why? Because you're competing with so much other stuff and it's hard to go to comic shops. But if you're a huge Zorro fan, right, and you're 40, 50 years old and you love Zorro, but you don't read comics like that and you see this and it looks great because it's Sean Gordon Murphy, you'll buy it. $50, why not? You love Zorro. With the bigger publishers getting into Kickstarter, I wish Kickstarter would uh help uh, improve their discoverability a bit more you know like imagine imagine somebody you know somebody's imagine Silves you know kickstarter showed up as like you may also like with people looking at the zorro thing like imagine what that would do for smaller publishers so i wish there was a way where that could be a little better i think they do do that but not yeah. as prominently and i think it should be more prominent for ones that are well known being made by publishers rather than you know people Yeah, it's a it's a dicey one, especially right now because uh, there is a conversation happening all over uh, comics, Twitter, and you know the spaces where comics people talk about the fact that Kickstarters have not been doing too well lately, and a lot of uh, people's Kickstarters have been either failing outright or just hitting their mark and not really getting to stretch goals. Um, and people are talking about like why, you know, the economy, things like that, and then you have you know, a, 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 a massive publishing Sean Gordon Murphy Zorro book that does, you know, gangbusters. Absolutely tremendous. $177 is more than most creators will sniff in several years. $177,000. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. $177 is tough, but $177,000 is just insane. Um, yeah. And so I think the timing also kind of hurts. Um, but look, this is the name of the game and massive publishing could use eyeballs on it if they want to get to the next level. And I don't mind comics creators getting paid well. Like let's say they're 40 to like 40 K goal to whatever distribution they were going to be able to split that dollar amount out between the, uh, between them. Um, the artists, the, the anchors, the people involved, like they're getting a bigger piece of that pie. Again, I don't think that's a bad thing. Do Tyler or Kale, do you guys disagree with what Marco said? Probably not the fundamental, but like, do you, how do you feel about what he just no. said? 
No. I, 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 I don't feel fundamentally r- wrong with that. I think this is just leaning into a lot of things that are bad about comics publishing right now with variants and, you know, th- right. this is all the stuff that comic shops complain about is all baked into this. Um, so I think making your money off of that is like, eh, uh, I guess that's where my ick comes from. Um, because the, the variant, uh, uh, boom or, or bust rather that's happening right now is what, you know, the direct market is like, Hey, this is what's bad about comics right now. Um, and this is like, Hey, let's do all of that. Let's make this all about that. And, uh, sorry, just to shout this out, they, this made $177,000 in just three days. Right. Uh, it is still has 27 days to go for 1,467 backers. Holy shit. So that's a lot of interest and engagement. And, you know, Tyler, um, your point about variants, I agree with everything you said. The only thing I disagree with is the fact that this is outside of the direct market. And so to me, that's a differentiator because these backers are in on this book regardless. And if they're buying, if they're, if you're investing $50 to get the variants, that are exclusive to Kickstarter and won't be available anywhere else. I don't think that that hurts anyone in this case. I think when it's on Kickstarter, when it's on someone's personal website, I think that's fine. I think variants hurt the direct market. Uh, Syl says uh, that the, she says uh, it does show up on other campaigns. I can see those analytics. So her Kickstarter shows up on other people's campaigns, which is cool. I love that. That's great. Uh, Vinny Whitlock says Marvel already has a Zoro though. Basically, isn't he called the Punisher, especially in the modern era? I feel like Batman is the yeah. uh, is the Zoro equivalent in comics. Um, Robotters uh, also mentions this is gives a wrong incentive for pricing to the consumers. I think that's interesting because if it's fifty dollars for the hardcover, um, uh, eighty eight of actual story, and it looks like one hundred thirty six of whatever plus content. Yeah. Um, still that's, uh, maybe it's a bad incentive for other Kickstarter people, but then other Kickstarter people might make a little bit more cash off of that. So like, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm mixed on it cause it might also help support, uh, if, if people follow the same kind of pricing model, maybe it'll benefit another creator. Dude, I, I have, <laughs> I have backed books or gone to Comic-Con and bought books and after the fact of the purchase been like, what the hell did I buy? Why did I buy this? Like overpriced, not delivering on, you know, the amount of pages I would expect for the price and the content kind of being shaky. So I say that to say that I think a lot of people don't think with their brains when they're on Kickstarter or at Comic-Con or things like that. Like, Hey, there's only 27 days to back this. You love Zorro, right? How else are you going to get this? You don't necessarily know about the direct market. Where do you buy comics? It's here right now. I think that this is an outlier type of situation, whereas I don't think this influences the thought process of traditional weekly, monthly comics buyers. I don't think we look at this and get changed by it. I was actually surprised looking in this in, into the rewards section of it. There wasn't a retailer tier because um, I know some Kickstarters will do a retailer tier where it's like a really expensive one. But the idea is that you get this to sell to the direct market. 
Um, but I guess I Massive yeah. also has its own publishing through the direct market. So this will probably be that. that. That's why that happens. Right. And I don't want to comment too much on this because I don't know this to be a fact and I don't want to say anything out of turn. But I feel like um, I guess I'll say that Massive slash whatnot has their own trajectory of how they're trying to sell their comics that doesn't care as much about the direct market as other publishers do. That feels like it's about to be funded by a Zorro Kickstarter. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 their market is much more direct because it's just on your phone. Yeah. yeah. They are, they, their market is direct. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. You ever, but, you ever watch one of those whatnot streams, by the way? No, I have no interest They're in that kind of thing. They're strange, man. I don't... I'm, it feels like old-timey auctions. Yeah. Um, it yeah. feels somewhat predatory to me, honestly, but... Atomic Hound says, my LCS owner has the ultimate Comic-Con purchase, and he wondered what he was getting into. I will put the story in Discord. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, would love to hear that. Um, So, Zorro, you know, we'll read it when it comes out in the direct market, because uh, that's my comics. I ain't paying $50 for 124 pages. Tell you that right now. And Boy, 88 yeah. pages of story. The other, the other 36 are... Like probably bonus art or whatever. Which yep, exactly. Could take yeah, away. it's like what? I I'm not saying this shouldn't happen. I'm saying that if I'm supporting a comic book on Kickstarter, it ain't coming from a publisher that I know of. That's mm -hmm. just not. I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. I'll support, you know, Sills Kickstarter. I'll support, you know, uh, 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 Jeremy Holtz or someone who we're friends with or a creator who's doing it by their bootstraps. But if you if Come on, Sean Gordon Murphy, Cullen Bun. I'm sorry, like do it, and if you're into that creator, go for it. But that's not where my money's going. Sure. You guys ever noticed how Cullen Bun? Not not Cullen Bun. Come on, Marco. What? You ever noticed how uh, Sean Gordon Murphy looks like a Sean Gordon Murphy drawing? <laughs> I never noticed that, but I wrong. agree with you. And also in this. In this picture, it looks like it. It also looks like he's going. Eh, what are you gonna do? Fifty dollar hardcover, eighty eight pages. Meh, you'll pay it. That's me posing uh, for thumbnails. <laughs> King of uh, Queens. Silv, I don't think there is a uh, a uh, more yeah, they don't paperback no. tier. No, the oh. the the low the lowest tier is either one dollar, and thanks or. $20 for a digital edition. Right. And then it's straight to the $50 hardback. Yeah. So it's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, not a lot of time to wait, though. Like I said, uh, this Kickstarter will be over in 27 days. And then I think they're saying that uh, we'll start to see the issues hit stores in January, I think I read. So, yeah, um, you know, that'll be a lot of fun. What we have a long time to wait for, though, a painfully costly, in my case, long time <laughs> to wait for, is the Fantastic Four movie. And Sean you know, guys, go ahead. Sean can't, he can't back this campaign because he's got to pay Kefis for uh, <laughs> a, uh, an omnibus. Yeah, sorry, Sean Gordon Murphy. I can't afford your overpriced hardcover. I got a freaking ship a ship an omnibus to Kefis because I lost a bet with a listener. For those of you who don't know, we said, I said that the Fantastic Four movie would be out 
in 2024. And Kafka said, no way. I don't even know why he said no to that, quite frankly. I thought that was a no-brainer, sure bet type thing. But he said no, took my bet, and it ain't happening, guys. I got news for you. It so, ain't happening. Do you know Kefis' um, full have name? You relinquished, or are you saying it's not happening for Kefis? No, I'm not relinquishing Jack, but I am saying Fantastic Four probably isn't hitting that 2024 release. So you know Kefis <laughs> is only his his internet name, right? You know his real name, right? Matt Shackman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of Matt Shackman, uh, who people may know or remember from WandaVision, uh, he was the the person who spearheaded that whole thing. He has been uh, um, picked as the director of Fantastic Four. That's not new information. But because of the strike, the only Fantastic Four anything we've heard about is from My Time to Shine Hello on Twitter, who seems to know everything that's happening in the MCU and the DCU behind the scenes with those crazy rumors. I hate those rumors. Um, but finally, now that the strike is over, uh, at least the writer's strike, Matt Shankman has has talked a little bit about uh, what's coming with the Fantastic Four. So first off, he was asked about casting for the, f- the four actors, and he said, hard to say. Like I said, we're in the middle of a SAG strike, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed that they get a great deal really soon, and we can go back. Then, once that's resolved, there will be a plan at that point, but I can't say too much. There will be an announcement at some point. I know that the internet is very excited to find out, and I'm excited to share it. I just can't do it yet. Do you think there has been any casting done yet? And he's being tight-lipped because he has to, or do you think they really haven't made much progress? I'm, I'm sure they have wants. I don't think there's been casting, just because of the I, of the strike. I bet the the list is narrow, at least. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I bet they have like a list that they're like waiting to put the stamp on. And, and with the the SAG strike, they just can't do anything, any any actual movement there, unless they're casting like Drew Barrymore. But that's the storm. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Maher, Bill Maher as Reed Richards. <laughs> oh, that would suck. Sue Storm is nice. Drew Barrymore is nice. Drew Barrymore sucks ass. No. Damn. First of all, she, she makes unfortunate decisions. She's fine. She's a scab. And second of all, Sean knows his daytime TV. All right. I trust Sean's opinion well, on this. I listen I privately. I called out that uh, Ellen DeGeneres sucked and was yeah. completely right about that for years. I yep. called out that Lizzo sucked. Was completely right about that for years. <laughs> uh, I called. Please, I'm not even going to get into all that. The only thing I'm wrong about is this fucking Fantastic Four movie at this point. See, but well, who can trust you? Ween. Who can trust you? Not me. Um. So yeah, I don't think there's any casting that's been done yet. I think this is the movie that has been the most impacted by not only. COVID, but uh, the strike and everything else. I think Fantastic Four has just been batted around. Like, Blade gets delayed. Gotta delay Fantastic Four for some reason. Like, it's just (laughs) this movie is just never gonna happen, right? But if it does happen, when it does happen, eventually, what will it be about? What kind of Fantastic Four movie are we gonna get? And Matt Shakeman had words on that, too. He said, quote, it's different in so many ways. I wish I could be specific. I wish I could say more. 
but we are doing things very differently from a story standpoint, from an approach to the filmmaking standpoint that really fits the material. I wish I could say more. I would love to, but I can't. But I think it's going to be unlike anything you've seen before, and certainly any unlike anything at Marvel that you've seen before. We've been nonstop, despite the the strikes, yes, we've been working with the effects and with production design and building our world, and that's been incredibly exciting. Uh, because some things that work beautifully in, in John Byrne and Jack Kirby are a little tougher when you're filming them. How do you make sure that things are exciting but also grounded in a scientific thing, which is also part of the Fantastic Four I love? There's some stuff I'm super excited about. I can't say too much, you know. This is going to be the best looking Fantastic Four movie, specifically because they were already working on the VFX while nobody else was working. <laughs> it feels like Matt Shackman just graduated from the school of James Gunn of saying a lot without saying anything. Hmm. Just all carnival barking. That's all this is. Well, I actually feel differently than that. I'm willing to take him at, at his word. I'm willing to take him at face value that they have a plan to make a Fantastic Four that is truly different than what we've seen before. So how do you do that? That's what we're going to talk about. I think there is a way. But I think it's ambitious. And I think it might turn some people off. I think you cannot do an origin story. Mm. It's played out. Don't want it. And that's not special. That's not unique. Yeah. What I think is unique is starting the Fantastic Four as adults already living their lives with children on a mission that puts them in a place that is unlike anything we've seen, something that resembles that Jack Kirby uh, type of look, that crazy zaniness that really goes there in ways that Ant-Man Quantumania didn't. And that ends with them entering our, our earth either because they're from another earth in the multiverse or because they are from this earth, but they went away and now they're back. Like that's the what I think. Sorry. No, good. I, I like the latter of that. That that's what I think they have to do. And, and to, to make it like have to have them have kids already. I think you solidify them as the family, the, the, like that as that mentality. Um, and you could, you could be doing this stuff where, what is it at the end or beginning of FF where they're just navigating the stars, right? Visiting planets. That that sounds cool as fuck. I'm a hundred percent down for that. Easy. It needs to be the Incredibles. Ooh, yeah, yeah. You know, in sort space. Of that, yeah. In space. It you know, it needs to have that engine where we come in and they're a family. Yeah. They argue, they bicker. Uh Reed Richards doesn't pay attention to any of his family and uh oh, Doctor Doom is here. Yeah, The Incredibles is the best Fantastic Four movie. The blueprint is there. Yep. Think it'd be Doom out of the gate. It's always no. Doom out of the gate. I hope. I hope it's not I, Doom out of the gate. But they need Doom in the MCU desperately. Galactus. Yeah. I think MCU Kang's needs on, Doom Kang's out of the, the gate now. Gotta get Doom. Yeah. I'm all in on Annihilus. I really, really want them to use him. Um, I think the Annihilation wave is a crazy concept. 
that the Fantastic Four have beaten. I believe they've beaten Annihilus before. I mean, he's a Fantastic Four villain. Um, and so I think that is something that they can do. It's big. It feels epic. It's an event-like boss. But the Fantastic Four have to prove that they can deal with that kind of thing because Galactus and Doom are their enemy. So get started strong. And I think Nihilus is good, too, because you don't it, – it's more of a force of nature, you know? Uh, you don't need yeah. to worry about the <laughs> Annihilus' inner machinations, you know? Um, so you can give that extra time to building the family up as characters. Yeah. Exactly. We don't need to focus on that villain because he's just who he is and really the threat is the wave um, and having him having the cosmic control rod, which I think, again, Marvel loves their little baubles and, uh, you know, whatever's MacGuffins. So I think the the cosmic control rod would be a great one to add into the MCU. Oh, and maybe like sort of transpose that with the uh the one that Reed uses to beat Galactus. Yes, yes. I um, can't remember the name of it. Yeah, I can't either. Um I'm sure Hound will tell us in a second. Um the uh uh you know and sort of I mean you could even make it like the Galactus wave if you didn't make it Annihilus, you know, like yeah have it, you know, slap those two together and you know uh do that like that makes perfect sense. It'd be interesting if they're running away from Galactus, like as they're exploring whatever the worlds, and like that's sort of just looming over them. And they finally make it to Earth, and they bloop accidentally brought him there, and he's just kind of fucking chilling, flowing over the planet. The nullifier. Thank you, Harris. There Vin you Diesel go. as Galactus. The Let's ultimate go. nullifier. Yeah, um, I think different and unique is absolutely the right play with Fantastic Four. They can't just be living in the Baxter building, having, you know, or not even living in the Baxter building, like origin stuff. Yeah. They cannot do yeah. that with them. But Sean, how do I know who these people are? I think, I think we've had Fantastic Four movies and you can still do their origin, but do it smart. Like, the Batman has the origin of Bruce Wayne in it, but the Batman is not an origin movie. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's make it's it Alex a, Ross Alex Ross credits like uh, Spider Man Two. Like we don't need it. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. Give us the cliff notes up front, or let the story tell their origin story through their interactions. You know, but we need they need to have kids. They need to have kids. We can't sit through X amount of movies without the kids and then Sue's pregnant or they have the kids off screen or whatever. No. Yeah. No. What if this is where Wanda's kids went? <laughs> to, to where? They they read and Sue? Yeah. <laughs> what? I don't know. Um. Well, my last question to you guys is... Are you still excited for this movie? The answer is yes, but go ahead. Nope. Oh. <laughs> yes. I'm I'm finished with the MCU. Oh. I don't know. I don't know what I come here to talk about the comic books. You guys keep dragging me into this. Uh I'm at my core, no, I'm not excited. 
do I also realize I'm I can be a corporate shill? Yeah, I do. <laughs> so, um, as of now, no. But as soon as I see that trailer, I'm a cave. I have mm. no I have no <laughs> self control. Especially if they put Blastar in it. I'm in. Blastar. Yeah, Blastar, the guy from the Negative Zone. Mm. I don't remember him. Oh, he's great. I'll say, mm, I don't know about this. Forget it. <laughs> kind of looks like uh, Calabac from uh, uh, DC. Oh, okay. Oh, I actually have seen him. He blue and blue and gray. He's he yeah, was in, yeah. in the the Civil War stuff a lot. Yeah. We got to pull up. Are you excited? For Marvel's Fantastic Four film. Let us know if you are interested, if you're looking forward to it. As we move forward into this week's draft, because of course, you all answered the call. You smashed that like button. You got us over twice. So we have to reward you. You know what time it is. We are drafting our team of Titans. So, how many people are typically on the Titans? Like seven? Five. Uh, Five. Six. I think it's like six. So, you've got uh, your typical team is don't, Robin. Don't, 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 wait, don't, wait, don't, wait, don't. Hold on, hold on. Well, I'm just, I'm going off like the, the, like the show. The, there the, is a the, slide the up that has six people. <laughs> Word. Give me points. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. We will draft. Five, for the sake of you know our lives and then the other question is are we only allowing characters who have already been titans or are we allowing general young dc characters i feel like the latter makes more sense because i i can know of I, I can think of characters that would fit on the titans perfectly who have not historically right. been on it Right. And also, my knowledge of every Titans member is limited. <laughs> Y'all dumb. Y'all are going down. Um, I don't know. I think it's more interesting if it's uh, only Titans members. Of course you would think that. You'll win. You'll There's the, I mean, everybody's been in the Titans except the adults. Right, right. It's mostly just it's, it's your, your sidekicks. That's, that's, what I was working, that's what I was working off. I'm just like, who's a sidekick for a Justice League member? So you're saying that whatever we come up with will probably be a right answer no matter what. That Yeah, genuinely. <laughs> because you're also like, did you guys know Zatanna has a sidekick that was a Titan for a minute? No way. Oh. Like, you come up with that guy's name, he probably counts. Oh, it was a guy, right? Zatano? Uh, or something, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, that's my first pick. <laughs> uh, so we have to, of course, determine the order. Of how, you know, of who will be drafting where. Uh, Tyler typically goes last. We'll see if that tradition holds true. Um, but, uh, yeah, the rules are it's a snake draft. So, you know, it's a snake draft. Um, we're drafting five. And the rule, the, the way we win is the audience decides. And how do we determine the winner? I don't know. Whatever your metric is. But I've now, got – go ahead. Is this going to be uh... – any young person, or is this going to be Titans members? I, 
Kale, I think only you benefit if it's only Titans members because I don't I'm, think we can. It would be with a, a, that knowledge. Yeah. I'm telling you, you can do it. Yeah, I don't even know that I could. Honestly, I truly I, don't. Yeah, I think Fine. it's got to be young people. Bunch just of in cowards. terms of don't don't believe me then. Oh, I just got to say it's got to be logistically better. Otherwise, we'd be looking up everyone to confirm. So that's also true. Yeah. That's true. All right, so we'll 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 do it like that. Young DC characters, uh, you know. So like, you can't say Batman. But, uh, you know, you can figure it out from your, for yourself from there. And so here we go. Uh, we will be, I will be rolling. I'll roll for myself first. That is a seven. I will now roll for Kale. That is a six. Tyler. Oh, it fell off. Uh, I will roll again. Oh, my God. <laughs> no fucking Is it a way. two? Is it a two? <laughs> It's a three. You guys saw it. Yeah. Even though and there now, was a six on the first roll. It was, it but it fell, it fell off. What do you want me to do? Um, and now for Marco. Give me the ten. A six. So who's got to do rollies? You and you and Marco, Sean? Uh, uh, Kale and me yeah. and Marco. Yeah. Okay. So this. Oh, I didn't say who it was for, so I'm not going to. Good. That. Good. That would be unfair. That was a that was a snake eyes too. Uh, I'll roll for Marco first. What is up with you? The 10? A 12 again. Ooh, let's go. That happened last week. Kale, don't even bother. I it's think. fine. I'll still. It's, I mean, yeah, maybe. It's... <laughs> yeah, no. It's fine. <laughs> All right. So the order will be myself, Marco, Kale, and Tyler. All right. I still think it's rigged. I don't know how you're doing it, but. <laughs> I, like, it, it is logistically improbable for me to go last every time. Dude, I, I don't know. And look at what Catherine said. Tyler lasts for picks, but always first in our hearts. There you go. That doesn't help me win, Catherine. I'm sorry. No, that's true. Um, well, isn't winning Catherine's heart worth more than winning this No, draft that just game? means she just sends me feet memes on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> if that's All what right. I want, well, then. I'm going to kick us off. I'm going to kick us off by drafting a little old character called John Kent Superman. Oh, interesting. Sean going um, power. See, right he's away. never been a Titan. He's not a Titan. It All right, but he could be. Dick Grayson. I'm going to do uh, Robin, uh, Dick Grayson. So you're doing it uh, as Robin, not Nightwing. Because we're doing Titans. We're not doing Teen Titans. So you can do Nightwing if you want. Well, Dick Grayson. Okay. You just want the booty shorts. I guess. I'm riding Nightwing. Okay. Uh, I'm going to do Tim Drake Robin. All right. Give me. Give me Wally West. Give me Connor. Wait, wait, I I go twice. twice. Oh, sorry. Uh, And I also want Starfire. (laughs) All right. Not bad. I will take Connor. All right. Uh, Raven. Damn. All the good ones are getting snatched up. Uh, I will choose Cyborg. Mm. And I'm going to also go with Damian Wayne. I'm going to do uh, Speedy. Nice. Surely he's been a Titan. Uh, I mean, Arsenal? This is the same character, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. There's also... Mia something or other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
she's also speaking. Um, I will go Bart Allen Impulse. Give me Cassie Sandsmark. And also give me we're doing six or five, Sean? Five. Five, okay. Also give me Give me Kid Devil. Oh, no idea who that is. That's okay. a shout out. That's a shout out. But, you yeah. know. He's Blue Devil's protege, essentially. Mm. Yeah. Kale? Give me Donna Troy. Oh, damn it. Mm. That was literally next. Marco. Hold on a second. God. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're looking shit up. I didn't know that was part of the game. I have a list. I just have, I'm referencing my list. He's just crossing out the people who've already been taken. Yeah, that's yeah. it. I'm, just, I'm Marco, strategizing yeah, Mark, here. Marco has to fucking work for this. Yeah, I'm strategizing out here. Uh, does Static count? Yeah, he's been yeah, a Titan. he's actually been a Titan, yeah. All right, then I got it. Sick as fuck. Damn, I think you can do six. trade? I think you can do Cyborg. Nah. Wow. <laughs> Why'd you pick Cyborg out of that? You only let, only have one token on your team. <laughs> I didn't know Static counted. I didn't even think of him. Um, my thumbs not even up. <laughs> and Kale, Kale okay. Out those likes, Kale. To to give you, uh, <laughs> it, you're right. It is an, it is a, a Mac thing. I, I watched yeah. the show I wasn't on, and I thought that was hilarious when it happened. But it's a Mac thing. Yeah. All is. right. Well, you know what I'm doing then? I'm drafting Trinity. How about that? Oh, okay, Tom. Uh, gross. How about that? Don't you go one more time? Yeah. Um, <laughs> You're excited said, for that one. Hell yeah, I do. <laughs> ooh, 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 ooh. I remember. I know who I want. Y'all never see this coming. Uh, don't say that. Damn. Um, it's making me feel like I'm missing somebody really good. You are. Uh, what oh. freaking flash can I get? Can I just throw this out there all real the, quick? All the Titans have been uh, taken. Can we do six? No, we're doing five. I might be able to do six. We're just gonna change it in the middle of the game. There's six on the on the on the current Titans lineup. There's six people. So I don't give a shit. <laughs> Sean's out here struggling. I'm just no. I'm, I'm not, not that I'm now. struggling. It's that these are the rules we established. Um. All right, maybe I'm struggling. Um, no, I'm gonna take Beast Boy. Uh, then for my wait, is this the last one? Yeah, right. This is uh, your last one, correct? Yeah. Aqualad. Oh. Uh, oh, it's gonna kill me to lose this person. Uh, all right. Kyle Rayner. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Um, I will not be taking this character, but I'm surprised nobody picked him. Connor Kent. Nobody picked that one. Interesting. There's my um, second pick. Oh, you did pick it. Okay. Uh, I want sideways. Give me sideways. Oh, cool. One of my favorite new characters. Yeah, he was like that fake um, Spider-Man dude. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, DC's attempt at, at a, a young Spider-Man-like character, even though they had Blue Beetle the entire time. Um, And then, Marco, you have one left, yeah? No. No, I, uh, Aqualad. Oh, no, that is five. Yeah. Yep. Okay, cool. Uh, so we are all done. We have all drafted. Uh, so I had 
John Kent, Cyborg, Damian Wayne, Trinity, and Beast Boy, which according to Atomic Hound, I have cheated. Um, Kale has Tim Drake, Connor Kent, Impulse, Donna Troy, and Kyle Rayner. It's pretty strong. Uh, Marco got Nightwing, Raven, Speedy, Static, and Aqualad. I'd read that book. Um, and Tyler got Wally West, Starfire, Cassie Sandsmark, Kid Devil, and Sideways. That's pretty weird and unique. Yeah. Same. I like Marcos. I like Marcos. Word, I like mine. Well, we allowed a trade around. <laughs> Is that a new rule for this? I <laughs> wish mean, we freaking could, man. I, I made a, I, I made a, a TCP draft logo now, so we're official now. This is a, a full on segment. Oh so yeah, that's w- cool. I didn't even notice that. Fuck, it's a play on the NFL draft logo. Yeah, it's oh, cool. Yeah, maybe we should I start do. like a. Maybe we should start a fantasy game. Ooh, oh, yo, this is. This. We've talked about that before. We got to just do it. You're right. Absolutely. That'd be <sighs> fun. Um, yes. Listeners, we leave it to you to tell us who won this week's draft. Marco, don't of- cheat. Yeah, don't vote for yourself, Marco. I, I'm, I'm not even in the account. Not even the right account. And, and, and can I just say to the live chat, I'm specifically speaking to you all now, that the fact that you're not voting for me because I have John Kent and Trinity on the team, it's bogus. They'd be eligible. Come on. They got aged up. They're not even young characters. What? John Kent is young. He's like 18. Yeah, that makes him a legal adult. And legal to be on the Titans. We're not even talking teen Titans. I'm a man still a teen. Hmm. No one took Ravager. That would have been a good pick. That's, would be that, pick, yeah. uh, that was who I was going to. She was my fifth one, and I, I miscounted, and I had Kyle Rayner as my sixth, hmm. but I knew I had to get that powerhouse, so I, I went with uh, Green Lantern. Did you guys Did you guys have a sixth? I was going to do Terra next. Mine was Ravager. Hmm. Hell no, I didn't have a sixth. <laughs> <laughs> Sean said, fine, that's it. Yeah. Um, been a good one. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed that draft. Thank you so much for participating uh, and voting. Uh, we'll tell you the result of the vote a little bit later. For now, I want to remind you that next week is New York Comic Con, and we will be at the event. So we've got a lot of things cooking for that event. We're going to be doing interviews from. Artist Alley, we're going to be speaking to all your favorite creators. If there are creators you want us to, to interview, uh, let us know, and we'll try to get them, um, get some time with them. We're going to be taking pictures and videos of cosplayers and all that kind of cool stuff. I'm going to be posting a blog on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash pals that you will be able to read for absolutely free. Uh, all you have to do is go to the page, and you'll be able to read it one every day from Thursday to Sunday, I will post a blog for you for free. Uh, programming note reminder, next week, Pals Pulls, which you can watch every single Thursday typically uh, on YouTube.com slash The Comics Pals, will actually be Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern. So Pals Pulls on Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern. The main show, this very show, Sunday, at an undisclosed time. And it's only undisclosed because we don't know it yet. But as soon as we figure it out, we will let you know uh, when that will be. 
in the Discord, on Twitter, and all the places. Make sure you keep an eye out. Absolutely. So, um, you know, just keep up with us. Find out when we're going to be doing the show. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of fun. And we hope that you guys choose us for your New York Comic Con coverage. Because uh, we're going to be doing a lot of it. Between all of our all of our shows and things, we got a lot coming. So, um, live book club, October 30th. The long Halloween. We're going to be talking about that. Next week, we'll continue our top five Batman books countdown series. And stick with us for everything else that we got going on. Join our Discord server. Huge shout out to the dude who emailed us a question. Felt so good to get an email from Christian. So thank you. Felt Send old more school. emails. Yeah, I felt like a telegram. I thought it was going to be in uh, in Morse code. You know, it was... Carrier so... pigeon. Ooh. The only, way also reach... be reached. It's the only way to reach Kale. Yeah, or sending stone, yeah. Send a kite. <laughs> Hell yeah. Fly a kite. <laughs> but yeah, uh, thank you for that. If you guys want to email us, contact at the comicspals.com. You know, you can send us anything you want. If you want to send us questions, comments, anything like that. You know, as a guy who um, checks the email, don't send anything you want, you know. Make it relevant. You said as the guy that checks the email. Yeah, I get the alerts way too often on my phone. So I think we all I would hope we all get the alerts. Send <laughs> send anything guy. you want. Send I, anything. I don't, I don't get the alerts. Oh. So. Uh let's do the plugs. Kale, you're up. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Comics Pals. You can find me on Instagram at Toto in Toe. That's T O T O I N T O W. You can find my work at Kelwar.com. That's A-L-E-W-A-R-D.com. Marco. Uh, you can find me at Mr. Marco Animoto on Instagram, Twitter, and all other platforms. Uh, talk to me. The oh, oh, that's me. Um, you can follow me at the Tyler Olson on Instagram, Twitter, Threads, Blue Sky, X. Yeah, that's about it. All right. And as for me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. Thanks so much for listening. For the rest of the pals, I'm Sean saying thank you. We love you. And until next time, take care, guys. See you next week on Sunday.